0: Empire Podcast this week, we talk puppets, hulks and elephant, um, you know, with Louis Leterrier, director of The Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance. I'm a very hands-on director.
1: You're a big film
2: director.
0: Oh, no, no, <laughs> I'm not a hands-on
1: director. I do the lighting and the butt cleaning.
0: And then we go The Whole Hog with Joanna Hogg, director of The Souvenir,
2: part one. I think it comes quite naturally to me to sort of put a microscope on my own life And, uh, of course, it's not always easy. All that and the usual
0: news and nonsense on the movie podcast that has had roughly the same number of sexual partners as Joel Schumacher. Give or take the odd (laughs) 19,000. 900. (laughs) And 90.
3: It's worth pointing out that we stayed late in the office last night to literally do the maths on that. And it was terrifying.
0: Let me first do the, uh, the. I know, this is a conventional guys. <laughs> I, I know, sorry, sorry. I know it's, <laughs> yeah, we, we shouldn't be beholden to things like, you know, tradition. But uh, I probably should introduce both myself and you guys first. So if we, we're going to have sex we with talk two people about,
3: every day for the next however many years, we really ought to get on it's with it. It's really
0: tricky. So uh, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the Empire Podcast. Hi, and this week I'm joined by three colleagues of such lethal cunning. We have, of course, our geek queen, Helen O'Hara. Hello. We have uh, the legend that is Ian Freer. Hey, Chris. And James Dyer, fresh from a a trouble-free trip to the US. Yeah, it was fine. Nothing unusual. (laughs) Has anyone read Newsweek recently? Anyone read the Daily Mail? The Washington Post? Yeah. I must have missed 60 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, James has had some uh, issues. You can read all about it on his Twitter feed and basically any major news publication. Yeah, fake news dire, that's me. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about that later on, or are you happy enough?
3: I mean, well, let's let us get into the... Let's I think we've started Joel Schumacher first. first. Let's get into his bedromantics first, since yes. that's Why? more interesting.
0: As, uh, as I'm sure Joel Schumacher has said himself, I've started, so I'll finish <laughs> a few times over the years. So he did an interview this week with Fulcher, and it was a great interview. Great uh, interview. Really, really great interview. And along the way, the interviewer basically asked him about his promiscuity, because he's Apparently fairly legendarily promiscuous. Mm. A bit like Nelly Furtado. You know, right. Promiscuous Girl. Yeah, I remember
4: that song, yeah. Just
0: had to qualify that. And you
5: know, I, so I, I thought it was Like a Bird. I, thought,
0: how I know, I, I was never happy with the, the sudden shift from Like a Bird to Promiscuous Girl. And Hey,
4: hey, she can be many things, all right? Yeah. You don't get to judge her. You don't get to limit her to being Like a Bird.
0: She's like a Swiss Army Nelly Fatado, isn't she? She's got all sorts of stuff going on.
4: Oh, like the Ray Lightsaber we saw earlier
0: this week. <laughs> anyway. Joe Schumacher, in this interview, said that he had had in his life, he's 79 now, maybe 80, between 20,000 and 30,000 sexual partners. I
4: thought he settled on between 10 and 20.
0: I mean, how many... to To have a... Non specific miscellaneous grey area
3: could be between variants of 10,000 shags.
5: <laughs> Not being funny. Yeah. If he did that Hugh Grant, Andy McDowell thing about going through his numbers, <laughs> <Yeah>. we'd be <laughs> I mean, here all fucking year. I mean, just the pure logistics <laughs> and frankly,
3: chafing that you would go through to hit that number is extraordinary. And he hit that number. I mean,
6: oh my word, really did, did he hit, hit that, hit number. that okay, number?
4: Okay, but I mean, I don't want to throw a spanner in the works here, but does nobody remember American Pie 3? No, and what no, we learned what about remember. numbers in American party I mean, American, American wedding? wedding? I don't remember. I think it was Anyway, American it was wedding, one yeah. of them where they discussed the fact that men always multiply by 3.
0: So you saying so was really, it was a
4: mere 10,000. It could be <laughs> as few as, you know, <laughs> 6 or 7,000.
0: But isn't there a thing sometimes where if you're uh, in your in a relationship and you ask the other person in that in that relationship about the number of sexual partners they've had? Can you imagine with Joel Schumacher? It's like, Joel, how many people have you slept with over the years? And then there's a pause as he gets out an abacus. <laughs> <laughs> there is no abacus in the world that is counting that it's high. Like, why are you contacting MIT to count the yeah. numbers on this, Joel? What's happening? I feel somewhat inadequate now. But let's yeah. just say, because we're, you know, we're being a proper and above board here. Let's say he started when he was 16, right? right. Uh, so now he's 80. So he has been sexually active for sixty-four years. Yeah, such a shame wasn't sixty-nine. Anyway, <laughs> sixty-four years. So, how many people would you have to twi- say? That's that's a well, settle on twenty thousand.
3: That's twenty-three thousand four hundred and thirty-ish days. So, so it's roughly
4: of- only one a day. But that's actually. all right.
3: That's fine.
4: I mean, and but he you did. have knocked
3: five years off his sexy time, which he has claimed to. So. And also, yeah. like,
4: I think there was mention of you know some group activities during that time. So, like, in what, one.
3: Okay, hang on, hang on. So you you think? I mean, what? I mean, without getting into the the details of it, like, what counts in this situation? Honestly,
4: I'm not. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, don't want to second guess his definitions because I
3: think yeah. some ground rules really need to be laid.
0: Uh, and they were laid. No pun intended. And. Uh, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um, by simply being in the room doesn't count, no. right? Oh no, no. not being it's in not the a room where it happens. Sport. You know, no. no. I'm sorry, uh,
5: I've come on here to talk about Kylo Ren. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Kylo Ren. It was not confirmed that he
3: how ha- he was one of the thirty thousand. That's that's not that's not confirmed. Although we're not ruling anything out at this
0: point. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't <laughs> think we can
4: rule anyone out at this point. Maybe um, me.
0: Anyway, well done, Joel. <laughs> Fair play to you. Listen, this the the sexual prowess of Joel Schumacher aside. Welcome to the Emperor Podcast. Uh, how are you all?
4: I really didn't expect to be discussing this. Sure you did. Detail. I really didn't.
3: You remember no. the, the episode where we kicked off the podcast talking about Avengers-themed dildos? This is I do
4: remember that. I've been lines. trying to forget that. You know, a, a succession of therapists have tried to help me forget that.
5: What has this podcast turned into? <laughs> I haven't been on this for ages. Yeah. It used to be about movies. I know. We well, should probably talk about this some is
0: movies. About, is about you movies? Kind it? of. Mm-hmm. It's tangential, Ian. Tangential. Anyway, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very good. good. All right, well, listen. Let's have a question. Someone did ask uh, in relation to James's troubles in the uh, States last week, um, which you can read about in pretty much every major news outlet, uh, about the best border scene or the best customs scene in a movie. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. The, I
4: mean, the one that comes to mind is immediately um, the golden child getting the knife through customs.
3: Oh, uh, yeah, that's good. I like that a lot. That was a really fun I, one. I do like that. How does he do that? Remind me.
4: I don't remember. I just remember really enjoying it. He basically pins me, it arrest me. <laughs> he pins it all on Charles Dance. Well, basically. his whole
3: thing is he says, "Dance is trying to get." It's not how customs work. Yeah, no. Dance is trying to get him arrested at customs for stealing this knife, and he basically explains to him that if he gets arrested, the knife goes into a, a into a, an evidence room, and he will never get it. Mm. And so he lets him go. But yeah. it's very theatrical and amusing because it's Eddie Murphy. Because it's
4: Eddie Murphy. Yeah,
3: I would say, and this is one of my favourite scenes. Just full stop. The traffic jam scene at the border in Sicario.
4: Oh, that's fair. Which yeah. is right.
3: so yeah. fucking tense. Yeah. Uh, incredibly, incredibly short. Uh, and that's, you know, that's customs, isn't it, kind mm-hmm.
5: of? So. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah. Mm-hmm. this is kind of customs. And when I was reading James Fred, I was hoping it was going to turn into this, which is the terminal. <laughs> I was hoping James was going to get, <laughs> <laughs> going to get stuck, stuck, in a, stuck in an airport. And it's really, the terminal is really good on that what it's like to go up to a customs desk and give your passport in. It's mm. so good on how scary yeah. that is even, it is, even if you've got nothing but, to worry about. But that, I think that's absolutely
3: true no matter where you are. like Going through customs is just a terrifying experience because mm. you feel you're out of your country, you're in no man's land I mean literally, literally in so yeah. many ways and they have absolute discretion to deny you, pa- also they can interrupt your passage in a variety of manners, but they can completely deny you access and deport you or stick you around yeah. and you feel like the rule of law is almost suspended in this mm-hmm, place yeah. so it's a very terrifying thing and I yeah, I'm always nervy going through customs.
5: But if you, if you want to be held in customs, you wouldn't be held by Stanley Tucci, wouldn't you? That's right. I, mean, yeah.
4: I mean, one always <laughs> wants to be held by Stanley Tucci, doesn't he? <laughs> I, so. I mean, come on. But yeah, no, it is It is a terrifying and an upsetting experience generally, especially in the world these days where they've been given basically paramilitary powers. And yes. But it, I mean, yeah. this
3: this is happening obviously quite a lot in America mm. at the moment. Not to turn this into a political podcast, but for anyone who didn't notice, I, I came to customs and he said, "What are you doing here?" I so said, "I'm a journalist. I'm doing journalistic things, writing about Star Wars," and uh, and he accused me of being part of the fake news media, and then oh, asked, so he's me, heard the
0: podcast." Yes, yeah, so he's heard the podcast <laughs> yeah. and
3: certainly read my review of Interstellar, and uh, he. Uh, yeah, he, he. You called passengers Titanic in space. <laughs> I was like, I'm really Get sorry. Out. I'm really sorry. It's not Titanic amongst the stars. Oh, that's what it was, yes. Yeah. Um, that's even worse. And somehow. then he asked me if I'd work for MSNBC or CNN, which was. And I thought he was joking initially, and then it became very painfully clear he was not joking at all. And I got a mini lecture about how the fake news media is damaging American democracy and spreading lies to the people, and how the only truth comes from the president and YouTube. YouTube, I thought, was an odd one, but sure. I mean, the um, president's
4: an odder one. Yeah, true. But- and sure.
3: I, I just I just found it really, it wrong-footed me completely. Like I, I made a joke about Chris's Attack of the Clones review, which went down, I cannot tell you if any joke has ever gone down less well than that one did, because of course it made no sense in the moment, but, you know, I was nervous. Um, and then I did what all law-abiding citizens do, I immediately moaned about it on Twitter. So, you know, seems reasonable. fight the power. And it all kind of went off from it, there. It kicked off,
0: it is, kick is, off. is frankly yes. what happened. It um, did indeed. Yeah,
3: So, but it uh, all had a happy ending. Yeah, to an extent, except the fact that I'm back in America next week and I fully expect to end
0: up, you know, I don't in know, a as a political zone. prisoner. Mm. I, I think you will be fine. Imagine that you will, never be, you will never be bothered again.
3: <laughs> it's going to yeah, be totally we'll fine. Uh, but the end of this story was the regional... Director of Operations I think his job title was for the Los Angeles area of CBP the Customs and Border Protection Agency uh, who I believe are a branch of the NSA or Homeland Security or something Homeland like that anyway Security. No, Homeland Security that's not the NSA they're a branch of the a- of Homeland uh, he called me up on my phone and apologised uh, I would ask where we got apology. your number but I yeah, well, I mean, I'm mean, i afraid of the it? answer yeah uh, no they asked for it but uh, yeah he called and apologised which yeah, thought was nice that all is things nice. considered
0: yeah. mega excitement well yeah. done well done you um I can't really, the only one that springs to mind isn't really a customs or a or border thing. But there's a moment in Fish Cult Wanda where they go to the airport and there's some shenanigans at the airport. And Kevin Klein, uh, he was carrying a gun as Otto, mm. has to try and get his gun through a metal detector. Mm-hmm. And so he does, he just, he goes, <laughs> he goes through the, uh, as he goes through the scanner, he just takes his gun out and... Kind of flips it round the side of the scanner and then just catches it again on the other side. That's cool. <laughs> Which I'm pretty sure you're not allowed yeah. to do. It. <laughs> you, do couldn't, you, think? you couldn't. You yeah. couldn't do in real life. It's really tough to do that. Not that I would advise no. anyone try.
4: That's why you know, he won the Oscar.
0: I'm yeah. pretty certain there's a Jack
3: Reacher book where Jack goes through. A metal detector. And he puts the gun on the floor and kicks it through. And there's a whole line in it about how metal detectors have a dead zone at the bottom (laughs) because men have metal in their shoes and dress shoes. And knowing Lee Child, as we do, I'm absolutely certain he fucking made that up. don't remember that. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I want to say it's either echo burning or persuader. Isn't that the worst security in the world? Yeah, I mean, exactly. Otherwise you put an AK-47 and just slide (laughs) it along the floor as you walk through. I don't think that would work.
4: I mean, if we're talking the best metal detector scene, then it's obviously the first X-Men movie.
3: (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't know I'd, I'd say total recall yes, you know when he's, what he's what running through of. with the x-ray machine and yeah. the gun shows up and yep. you see the action two weeks, playing out
0: two weeks. well I wasn't even
3: thinking of that I was thinking of the, you know the, the, um, the x-ray skeleton action yeah. scene
0: where, yeah! Oh! Yeah! 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 Yeah yeah, yeah! yeah! But yeah, yeah two weeks—that's
3: yeah. a genius custom. Two scene. weeks.
0: Have we stumbled two upon weeks. the right answer to this question? Okay, let's do that. Okay. Let's that. Uh, here's an actual question, real, real quick, and this is from Luke Robinson at London Yank on Twitter. And apologies to the person who sent in that other question that was a couple of days ago. and I don't have it; it just stuck in my brain. Uh, which of the former A-listers of years gone by, currently languishing in FOD (Director Video Hell), i.e., Bruce Willis, John Travolta, hmm. etc., is most deserving or able to escape? And I think, sadly, we have to add Nick Cage and John Cusack to this. Cage, Hmm. perhaps less so, because he still gets things like Mandy into cinemas and he's still, you know, taking risks. But there is something of the last few years, and I do wonder if Johnny Depp's going to go this way as well, where a lot of these former A-listers are making these, quite frankly, mostly awful direct-to-video action movies. Trafalto is one. Bruce Willis is in about 10 different films a year.
4: So are we basically saying here that there was no point Tarantino reviving their careers? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: I mean, that's what I'm hearing Okay So what, you know, he revived their careers, Pulp Fiction, woohoo and and then, then it's then up to
0: them to do with, you know, to take Yeah, to, take to go of their straight careers. back to, you know, well, the They all did really, really I'm well Jaffold, I'm yeah, slightly but exaggerating okay. But, but Trafalgar was um, A-list up until when You know, he was <sighs> taking a pill in 123 He was still the, the big bad guy yeah. in the taking yeah. a pill in 123 So he was still doing stuff like that
4: He was still uh, a star supporting role in Hairspray
0: Yeah but Bruce Willis is Bruce Willis is oh, just the biggest is, tragedy. It makes me really mm. sad. Same here. Uh, he pops up in all these uh, mm-hmm. some some shocking director video movies. It's here's, such a shame.
4: Here's the thing: they do need to clear the way. Like at some point, we need to let them go, guys. You know that it's is right? true.
3: That is true. We'll like, let them yeah. run. Just let them in run a free. Field. Yeah. 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 If so they want to
4: move like, like, to a farm upstate, oh, you know, no. like just you know, we've got to let them go. The, this the stars of the 80s and 90s cannot determine oh. our lives forever
5: there'll be a podcast years from now where people are going, well, when's Chalamet coming back? You know, when's
4: that happening?
0: <laughs> yeah.
5: yeah. He's just been around. And he's yeah.
0: gone like, forever,
4: yeah. man. That guy, yeah.
0: And so just made another baby driver direct-to-video <laughs> sequel. <laughs> exactly. Edgar, Edgar Wright hasn't been involved with this franchise for 15 years. Honestly, guys, give it up. Give it up. Uh, it would be such but a shame.
4: out of those ones, I'd most like to see John Cusack come back and yeah, do other things. Because yeah. I feel like, I like he T. has... I'd like to
5: Tarantino work with John Cusack. That would be good. brilliant. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Oh my God, him with that dialogue? That would be brilliant. Because yeah. I feel like he has the least set persona out mm. of those people and therefore the most room to work with.
0: Yeah, I get that. But I, I don't know. It's a Bruce Willis thing that really saddens me because when he does work with great directors... And when you sense that he is perhaps more motivated than mm-hmm. he is with other movies, I'm thinking of things recently, I mean, even not that recently, like Looper and Moonrise Kingdom. I'm excited to see Motherless Brooklyn, in yeah. which he uh, you know, is directed by Edward Norton. So hopefully, you know, be a really great performance there. You know he can be he can be truly brilliant, Bruce Willis. And most of the time, you get the sense that he's maybe not as committed. That you know the old the old phrase "phoning it in" mm-hmm. might apply to some of his performances recently. Kuzak is a, is a real loss as well. But we, we shouldn't speculate on why they're doing these to video movies. But he he feels really anomalous to me because he was a guy in the '80s and '90s who was really committed to quality, mm-hmm. um, and he seemed to work. He seemed to be keen to work with really, really interesting directors. And then at some point in the last few years is director video hell and just a, by and large a succession of forgettable films. And I don't know what happened there.
4: No, it's, it's weird. I think you're always looking for that sweet spot as a director. I think some of these guys, you know, will take chances on relatively new and untried directors, which is what we want people to be doing. But with, you know, interesting films and not just the same old stuff. But the thing is, like, it is hard to see on paper sometimes. Like, if you were Keanu Reeves and these guys brought you the script for John Wick, like, there's nothing much on paper to put that apart from mm. any of these movies. Yeah. No, in that case, he knew them and he trusted them and he knew that they were going to pull something spectacular out of the bag. But
0: mm-hmm.
4: in a lot of cases, I, I feel like these guys are looking for that. They're looking for their Stahelski and Leach, and they're just not getting it,
0: maybe. That is That is possibly true. As well, although maybe it's also about being willing to set the ego aside, mm, potentially, potentially, and take supporting roles in movies. For example, I look at Kevin Costner, I see someone who is willing to take supporting roles in big movies and and be that guy. Yeah. And you know, there's a couple of roles he's played in recent years that you think Willis could have played, Travolta could have played. Yeah. He mm-hmm. Harris, was, for example, Harrison Ford's
5: going that way as well, isn't he? He's taking smaller things. And, yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, He was he was excellent in Molly's game, for
3: example, as, uh, as Jessica's own father. I'm so sorry. I didn't.
0: Why? Why? Are I'm, we back here? Did I say
3: anything about the star rating? Did no. Did I mention I it? But I, I thought we'd agreed we're just
4: not going to mention it, James. <laughs> I didn't because realize. I'm right and you're wrong and we've just got to get past it. I mean,
0: I wasn't going to be the first
3: to go there, but while you're bringing it
5: up.
0: I'm so, so sorry. I apologize to everybody. Uh, so out of those four, Ian, who do you think?
5: I think Kuzak because I think he's, he's the most interesting actor out of the four.
0: Helen's already said Cusack. Jimbo? Cage. Cage. You eat a
3: peach for hours and I want to see
0: it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to go Willis just because mm. of the emotional attachment. I love Nick Cage but the emotional attachment to, uh, to Willis and I want to see one last great Bruce Willis performance before he runs free in that field. Helen, that field wasn't a metaphor for death, was it?
4: No, no, it's, okay. a, it's a field for happiness. <laughs> Whew,
0: okay, good, good, good. It's definitely not the one in All Midsummer. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, if you want to have your question read out in the Emperor podcast, uh, which London Yank found to their cost can happen at any time, you can get in touch with us via number of methods. We're on Twitter, as at Empire Magazine. Use the hashtag Emperor Podcast. You can Facebook us as Empire Magazine, and you can email us as well, podcast at empireonline.com. And it's time now to do our plug, because we got some stuff coming up, guys. We're very, very excited about this. We are going on tour, a mini tour of the UK. And yes, we realize we're not going to Wales, but Northern Ireland. So technically, I'm happy with the use of the, the word... The phrase UK, I'm okay with that. Um, we are starting on September 14th at the London Podcast Festival in London, <laughs> shock, at uh, King's Place. Uh, and that's going to be a really, really fun live show, Saturday, September 14th. Do come along to that. Uh, we have a very special guest for that. I will not be announcing, but uh, do come along to that and, uh, and see who they are and what they're doing on the show. It's going to be cool. <gasps> Then we are in Edinburgh, September 19th at the Edinburgh International Magazine Festival. That's a lot of fun. Tickets for that are available via the Picturehouse website or, of course, the uh, Edinburgh International Magazine Festival page. Also, that's going to be at the Cameo in Edinburgh. Then we're in York, September 26th at City Screen. Now, I believe tickets for that are sold out, but give it a try. And, uh, you know, on the day as well, there may well be returns. Who knows? Then we're in Liverpool. Again, apparently that's a sold-out show. uh, September 3rd. September 3rd? October 3rd, October 3rd in Liverpool at Fact. Then we're October 10th in Brighton at Duke's Acimedia. Uh, really excited about that. And uh, we're wrapping it up in Belfast. Yeah, we are. We're wrapping it up in Belfast, October 17th in Belfast as part of the Cinemagic Festival. It's also celebrating its 30th anniversary this year. And we're really, really excited. Helen and I in particular excited to come back.
4: Hooray! Go
0: back home. Well, I've never been to Northern Iron. You're going to have to show me around. Uh yeah they'll, yeah, they'll love you over there.
3: Yeah,
5: <laughs> you think. And when yeah. you say you're going on tour, have you got like a big tour bus like the food? Frontiers? I wish
0: we had. Oh, That'd yeah. be so fun. But we'd have, have to have separate buses. Like Helen refuses <laughs> to ride in the same bus as us. Okay. Yeah.
4: <laughs> you can understand, Ian. You of can understand. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I've
0: asked if we can borrow the Brexit
3: bus. <laughs> really?
4: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Let's take
4: that three hundred and fifty <laughs> yeah, million and
3: give, and give it, give to, it Chris, to Helen us. And,
0: Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and Terry. and Terry and yes, Terry and Nick and Ian. And Jane, All of us, we'll split we'll split Everyone. We'll split will split it. Let's split it. I'm going to split it. I'm happy to split it. I'm ha- yeah, I'm happy to split 350 million...
3: A
4: week.
0: ten ways. Yeah. A, A week. week. I think that's
4: fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, could, I
3: could probably make that stretch. No, it's going to yeah. be great. The tour is going to be very exciting. But also, you should probably mention that on Friday the 13th, also at the London Podcast Festival. You're right. Kermode on film. <laughs> the Kermode on film podcast is going to be... Uh, uh, no, recording I don't think that's very what he special meant. Show. That is, in fact, true. But before. more <laughs> importantly, the Pilot TV podcast will be showing on Friday night... So go to kingsplace.co.uk and book tickets for that as well. And you, you were on the latest episode.
4: What? You've had yeah. him on?
0: Chris Chris came on.
4: The fuck? He mm. did not even watch TV.
0: Duff whoa now that's not true exactly and you know it um, I do watch TV it was a TV. MasterChef special oh and, my god. Uh, I love you know guys I didn't watch the whole of the last series of Great British Menu or MasterChef what and I worry up? that I'm slipping there's too much TV and I did watch to to TV. Bake
4: Off though so. I haven't started I Bake Off oh either. my god
0: uh, Russell Toby's going to be on the uh, Pilot
3: TV podcast close personal friend of Boyd Hilton so that's going to be funny we're going to interview him about being friends with Boyd
0: Wow, that sounds really unorthodox. And uh, and this is on the same time as the Kermot film podcast you say. Well, yes. That's a tough choice. Anyway, yes, go to is. the King's Place website.
4: Maybe that'll be sold out, James. You'll be fine.
0: Yeah. Yeah, thanks Helen.
3: I appreciate all of your support at all times. No, no, we'll we'll,
0: we'll be there. We'll be in the building. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the Kernwood and Film sound. Yeah, great, so, not yeah. it? We're definitely going to be there. Uh, no, yeah. it, sounds, it sounds really cool. No, yes, I was on this week's, uh, I am on this week's Pilots TV podcast, uh, mainly because I was uh, recording it for yeah. you, in your absence. And you came in and you did an impression
3: of Skeksis. Skexis. Yes, and then huh? an impression of me, which I listened to and was obviously offended wasn't by. It wasn't
0: my best. No, it wasn't, was it? It wasn't my best, no. but I had, to, I had to kind of, you know, mm. big it up for the, the people in the cheap seats. Well, maybe we'll get you back uh, another time. We don't know if you <laughs> well, this thanks, week. Well, thanks, man. Thank yeah, you, yeah, yeah.
3: Maybe, maybe we'll let you come <laughs> back. Uh, this week we have Orlando Bloom and Cara Delevingne talking about uh, Carnival. Carnival, Carnival you mean
0: yeah.
3: next week? The one that's out Monday? Well, this is out... Friday, and it'll be the one out on Monday. So, yes, technically that is next, so technically week. next week.
0: Well done. All right. Okay. Yes. So, if you go to Uk and you can get tickets for the Pilot TV podcast uh, live show and the Empire Podcast live show. And if you want to throw in a third or fourth or fifth or sixth show as well, you get a discount of 15% on purchases of three shows or more. Kingspace.co.uk. And that's just two weeks, two weeks to go to our live show there. And uh, there's still a few tickets left for us as well. So, we're very, very, Excited to see you there. It's going to be a lot of fun. And hey, listen, while I am plugging the hell out of stuff, I simply have to mention the new issue of Empire Magazine. Oh, yes. Which is out next Thursday in All Good and Evil News Agents and is a world-exclusive first look at one of the most eagerly awaited movies in years, maybe even decades. No, it's not Happy Gilmore 2. That doesn't seem to be happening. It is, of course, Martin Scorsese's The Irishman. Jesus. Begara, will you look at that? And uh, I am about to read out an officially approved press release about this genuine world exclusive. Okay. Nobody does crime movies like Martin Scorsese. True. That's true, true. that's very true. The seminal American director, not the same way that Joel Schumacher was seminal, (laughs) I have to say. The seminal American director has a back catalogue boasting some of the greatest mob films of all time from Hugo to Cundin, sorry, from Mean Streets and Goodfellas to Casino and The Departed. And now he's back with the Irishman, a none more Marty Troll. I changed the word there, guys. I changed the word. I went off piste. A none more Marty Troll through 20th century American history feud through the lens of a gangland hitman which reunites the filmmaker with its iconic collaborators Robert De Niro and... Joe Pesci, amazing, and teams him up for the very first time with Al Pacino. Oh, wow! Oh my God! Hua! It's a film that sees Scorsese once again push the boundaries of filmmaking, using extensive de-aging technology on his star cast to tell a story spanning multiple decades. I get visions of Pacino as a baby going. Hu-ah! In a major world exclusive, Empire, God Scorsese, De Niro, Pesci, and Pacino together for their only photo shoot and their very first interviews about the film, Anywhere. Ooh, it's exciting. The result is the definitive account of the ultimate crime epic and its fascinating journey to the screen via state of the art technology, a pivotal script read, and a streaming centric release on Netflix. With unparalleled access, including brand new interviews and never before seen images from the film, Empire Magazine is the only place you can find a full story of 2019's most anticipated film. Wow. Sweet. Wow. Super, wow.
5: Super hyped yeah. for this.
0: I am on board.
5: Yes. I've read. I've read. If Nick Disemlian, yes, yeah, Nicky Two Eyes. I have yeah. read it
0: <laughs> <laughs> Nicky Nicky Ten Fingers. <laughs> he types so fast.
5: And I've read. i read his feature. It's terrific.
0: Yeah. It's so great. No, it's very, very good. And uh, the New Sand cover, which is out next week, assembles Scorsese and his three stars in an exclusive shoot by Bridget Lacombe, and will hit the shelves on Thursday, the fifth of September. And subscribers will receive an exclusive cover by the illustrator Peter Crowther which sees, well, I won't give it away, but it's uh, very, very exciting. And there's going to be loads more from that uh, about the Irishman in next week's show when we're going through the magazine in great detail as well. But just letting you guys know, it's coming. It is coming. In fact, you'll be able to see what the cover looks like by the time you listen to this podcast. Very, very exciting stuff. Mm. Speaking of exciting stuff, it's time to talk to Louis Leterrier, who is the French film director of action classics like The Transporter. Right. And Transporter 2. Not Transporter 3. Didn't do that one. Uh, what else has he done in his, in his career? He's done the Hulk. Incredible Hulk. Yeah, Hulk, Hulk. Yeah. yeah. Did the second movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The one that we have in the past said that maybe doesn't quite fit in, maybe with the rest of the uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And he talks about that in this interview, because uh, this week he is the director of the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, which is the prequel show to the classic cult Jim Henson movie from 1982, which sets up the, the tale of the Skeksis and the Gelfling a few years, shall we say, before the offence of the first movie. And it's a really interesting career choice for Leterrier. Did he direct all the episodes? He directed every, every episode, all what? 10 episodes. And to go from feature filmmaking, his last movie, of course, was Helen's favourite comedy of the last few years, Grimsby. And <sighs> to go straight from that into making a puppet show, full-on, fully committed puppet show, is, for me, a fascinating career choice. But as it turns out, is kind of his first love so this is a really interesting interview in which we touch upon his reasons for making The Dark Crystal uh, why it was one of his favourite films as a as a kid and why it inspired him to become a filmmaker we talk about the problems that he had whilst making The Incredible Hulk and the, the danger uh, the nature of compromise as a filmmaker in Hollywood as well and yes we talked about Grimsby and covering Mark Strong in gallons of how shall we say this elephant spunk so there's all that in this wide-ranging interview, do please enjoy. Delighted to be joined on the Emperor Podcast on the stage of NFT2, which is the coolest place I've ever done a podcast, I think, by the director of the Dark Crystal Age Resistance, Louis Letharia. How are you, sir?
1: Hello. Very good. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah this massive theater, just the two of us. Yeah, <laughs> just
0: us. Yeah, someone forgot to invite an audience and a, a pianist and... Uh, we could have a real party here. This is this is fun. You're all welcome to come. Yeah, I'll, I'll just I'll just I'll do a quick tweet going. Yeah, exactly, Louis tweet. and I are doing a podcast. <laughs> we need an audience right now. Uh, but yeah, how things going? You, you, Great, no, yeah?
1: I'm so happy to be here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. with with a, a very interesting, I would say, not a diversion in your career, but certainly making a. A conclusion. A conclusion. <laughs> this is it. No, it's it. I've, 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 yeah,
6: I did it, guys. I made it. I made it.
0: I did. It. I did my puppet show. That's the thing I've always wanted to do. Um, is this something i have always wanted to do? Because the dark crystal obviously is ten episodes, puppets.
1: Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, in this scale, uh, I never thought I would be able to do that stuff. But yeah, it's it's you know these are the goals in a filmmaker's career when you use like. The Dark Crystal is the movie that made me want to become a filmmaker. Really, really, no, absolutely. Because wow. it's it's at the same time tactile and practical, and you, as a kid, I s- sort of understood how they did it. You know, it's not like the magic of visual effects where you know it's the you know computer wizardry. This uh-huh. was like you knew it looked like people in a suit sometimes uh, with their yeah. hands up in the air, but at yeah. the same time there was enough movie magic. Uh, and grand scale and beautiful storytelling that yeah. I was you know it's the sort of stuff that you start doing as a kid when you're 10 with your video camera you play with your you know you use your toys to tell a story and they're like okay well they do it on a g- greater scale and and then you know these are puppets And then, so that's the movie that literally triggered my my interest in not only telling stories, but also the behind-the-scenes, the techniques, the the the, the costumes, creating uh-huh. characters, creating the design, all that stuff. This was, it was very very important movie for me.
0: That's amazing. By the way, what's the uh, the dark crystal called in French? <laughs> I think le dark crystal.
1: <laughs> I don't remember. It's funny again. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I've always called it dark crystal. <laughs> maybe it was. Maybe it was. Yeah,
6: no. Yeah, Sometimes yeah, yeah. you know, films
0: just have the same name. <laughs> yeah. I just thought maybe it might be some okay. really really cool French saying, Louis. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just.
6: No, I'm sure he's got a French name, but I've, it's for some reason I've always called it dark crystal. Okay. Yeah.
0: Interesting. So, can, can chart then? <laughs> we've only got like 25 minutes, but <laughs> can you chart that journey then from the first time you see dark? Crystal? crystal and you start you actually then do start making home movies with with your with your toys
1: yeah well I've started before actually yeah no I'm, I'm it's about the same time I started making movies when I was eight I see the dark crystal when I'm 10 and I, okay. you know, I start, you know, and it's it, it it's. Then I, I make I start building clouds uh, with uh, cotton balls in my mom's uh, you know, uh, makeup bag, and then I do flying opening sequences, and then I blow up my Star Wars toys, and I tell stories, and really, and then and then then I do Hulk, and then I <laughs> do a dark crystal. That's pretty much my. <laughs> That's my career. That, that
6: feels like you could well, transport transporter in between. Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah, it feels like you left some stuff out. I and meet Jason Statham. <laughs> I do Hulk. <laughs> Dark Crystal. <laughs>
0: makes sense? Yeah, no, it makes it makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. Jason Statham, Hulk, Hulk Dark Crystal. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you, you've made movies over the years that have had uh, an emphasis on practical... Jason Statham is a practical effect. Is this, he's a practical himself, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's almost like someone's puppeteering him in some of those action sequences. Six back in the front, eight in the back. <laughs> <laughs>
1: T- t- uh, but, no, you've,
0: but you've uh, also had the a CG element to some CG
6: stuff. CG well.
1: element, but always, always the idea in all the stuff I've been doing, I wanted as practical as a, of, of a frame as possible. So, yeah. for example, the chase sequence, you know, the Medusa chase mm-hmm. in Clash of the Titans. Mm-hmm. They're running around in a set that blows up, and really, the the, the action. The only thing I was missing was. The actual model of Medusa running around, but we had things chasing them, explosions. The actors really felt, you know, they they were not in danger, but, you know, there was a sense of danger. So the only thing I had to add was that, you know, the CG character, because that stuff was not possible to do it practically, but everything. Everything I've done in Hulk, same thing explosion cars flipping around. You know, the cars in Hulk, when he you know, b- bashes them around and the explosions, that's all real. I actually was running with my camera. In you know amongst explosions like literally engulfed in flames coming out I mean this is some cool shot of me coming out with the pursuit the, the vehicle like the whole thing engulfed and you know people always say Louis you should uh, you know we can do it CG like no we do it for real <laughs> that's how we do it with Jason Statham again Jason Statham no but that's yeah. no but that's the idea it's because I've, I've, I've wanted to do that I learned to do that uh, in my filmmaking in the beginning like mm-hmm. doing movies in France and you know we're we're joking, but Jason Statham, Jet Li—they actually get yeah, in yeah, there yeah. and they fight, and everything you capture on film is real, and it's great. It's like it, it gives you something extra. So when I graduate to fantasy and science fiction, you know, and puppets, then I take that same the same things I've learned. I'm like, oh, that looks better when it's real. So let's just get that in camera as much as possible, and then use CG to. You know, round the corners, help transition, make it bigger, deeper, or something like this. But never, yeah. never rely on CG. I think there's some things
0: in, the, in this in this series uh, I won't give away, obviously beyond the first episode, really. But there's some tracking shots, and there are, there are wonners and there are, yeah. there are all sorts of things in this in this show that I imagine that Jim Henson would have loved to have done, mm-hmm. but but couldn't do. I mean, can you talk about the the advances in technology, what it allows you to do as a as
1: a filmmaker? Well it's two things I mean there's a lot of long tracking shots that I did myself through sets and chasing puppets and everything that we did as Warners, normally just me handheld a steady cam chasing them and 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 not and not enhancing anything uh, with cg mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or transitioning anything with cg just because we had massive sets and we we were we had the opportunity to actually build massive Forests, stuff that Jim Hansen didn't have then, and also technology that was nascent then uh, with a, with tech- Steadicam. Now I can yeah. really chase things around, and I don't have very heavy cameras, and I can you know really get in there. So that really helped. What CG has done, and what I've used, is really the the ability to transition from one element to the next. Mm-hmm. So so yes, you're talking about this one beautiful shot. In a library that, that introduces a character, oh, yeah, yeah, Brea, yeah. that just, yeah, and it's still it's one set, but he has one CG transition in the middle, and even within the CG transition, there are some real elements. Cause it's never never sort of like go for a full CG look. That's it's it's never the the, the idea. Um, CG is amazing to to transition and. And the way I like it, as a moviegoer or as a mm, uh, TV watcher, is when I'm when my eye is tricked by the filmmakers. When mm. I don't know when real starts and CG yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. takes over or vice versa. When the effects it's a mixed bag of tricks. Yeah. It's fun to experiment. It's fun fun to to take things a little bit further, uh, mm. whether whether it's in CG or, in my case, puppetry was is this art that's amazing incredible truly respected but they've been using the same techniques for many many years and the puppeteers they are not used to you know they're used to static cameras one camera at a time they don't move that much, and you know, first day on set, I'm like, guys, I'm going to chase you. What? what? How do we do this? <laughs> we are completely out of shape. We don't know how to do that. No, I was like, yeah, I'm going to chase you. We have to figure out. I'm, it's it's a it's a journey. It's an action show. We have to figure it out. So we created together with the creature shop, with the puppeteer, with the uh-huh. puppeteers, and then with me pushing, pushing, pushing new puppeteering techniques. But your last film
0: was was Grimsby, and then to go from that to this. That's a left turn.
1: Was this bubbling away while you were making... Grimm's I've Be? made two movies, maybe three, while uh, prepping Dark Crystal. Wow. <laughs> I've been on Dark yeah. Crystal for like 10 years. Or 10 now. years. <laughs> <laughs> the idea was always to make it a a puppet show. So it it, it was to convince... I was convinced. The Hanson uh, company was convinced. It was to con- convince a financier or studio to follow us in this crazy adventure. And mm. so, you know, it took us some time to write the story, find the right things, but to find a partner uh, was the hard, you know, we, we had so many no's. <laughs> not no's, they were, like, very respectful. They, like, loved the original movie. David Bowie was amazing. I was like, oh, sorry, no, it's not the David Bowie. <laughs> <David. laughs> <laughs> to the love like rock oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> huge fan yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Zippy <laughs>
6: yeah, yeah. Bungal and <laughs> yeah. Rainbow that's, yeah, exactly. a, that's a deep Rainbow. reference Louis I, d- I didn't expect that but you know that. why because they were <laughs> I know that because they were our
1: puppeteers uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ronnie who plays Zippy was one of our puppeteers on, on the show and people are like oh he's a legend he's a legend and he brought Zippy on set and he opened it and the thing smelled was like, and people were like, oh, it's Zippy, and people were crying. I was like, this is a terrible po- <laughs> 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 People were like, Zippy's on set today. Zippy's
6: <laughs> <Yes, it'll be laughs> on set. You must be respectful. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he was doing that so, so. <laughs> Ronnie
1: is a <laughs> I love Ronnie. We all make him laugh. We make our puppeteers laugh that I talk about him. No, so so uh, so we it took us it took time for us to find a partner and also the right way to tell that story. Because a feature film it's, it's in a sense too much of a challenge in in in, in what we f- what i felt was a, a changing uh, uh you know marketplace uh, marketplace, marketplace. Yeah. so you know well, well yeah changing you know changing times from for, for yeah. movie making you know for actually future movie making so we find out we find our partner we f- we re- realize and we had maybe one chance and one chance only is with Netflix uh, because we knew that they were they wa- they were taking risks we knew we had fans uh, within the the ranks of the Netflix execs with uh, somebody called um, Teddy Burselli Ted Buselli, who's mm-hmm. our executive who's a who's a super fan and so we approached them uh, with the uh, with this idea of a 10 part series uh, and and But we were very humble about it. We're like we're like we just proposed it to them, we're like, Okay, there you know we could do it, you know, maybe with the help of CG, but I really wanted puppets. And they looked at me like, you want it, you know, Louis, puppets? <laughs> and like, yeah, yeah, puppets. You can do it? Yeah, yeah, promise I can do it. Promise. <laughs> <laughs> trust me, guys. Trust me, trust me, trust me. <laughs> I did Grimsby, you can trust me. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, then they, they, uh, and then they said uh, they took a huge bet on us and on, really on me because i would never done that. Like you said, my last movie was... Was, was a Sasha Baron in movie so yeah. my idea I take risks I take big risks sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but it, it, the idea of working with people that also take as big you know the, the risks that are risk takers as big as they, as I am so um, was very very exciting for me and for them too uh,
0: Mark Strong is in this yeah did you say to him look Mark I'm not going to cover you this time in Elephant Spunk as, I told him you remember the last puppet
1: we had he's like oh, yeah 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 <laughs>
6: But this is not that. <laughs> so, okay, where do I sign?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
6: no puppet. Yeah, will be
0: spewing stuff at you. He <laughs> wasn't difficult to get on board. Uh, I was because we we didn't have you on the podcast around the time the Grimsby came out, and so I need to ask you about that scene, the the elephant scene. <laughs> My uh,
1: first it, attempt to... It <laughs> has lived in infamy since <laughs> since then. Well, it's funny. It's sort of like. It is really the reason I signed on to this this movie. I was like this if we get to commit this on the film this will be like this thing that will stay forever. The movie there's some very funny stuff, but at least we did this thing that was the most extreme scene ever put on the film, you know mm-hmm. uh, uh, and so we which we, we just did it. it was really fun, and we it was really technical for some reason. and and dangerous so it was it was dangerous well wow. well i'll tell you i tell you what <laughs> we were so it was inside this pouch latex pouch. we uh, 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 each actor had to go in one at a time because it was so tight and they had to be lubricated to go in. I mean, you know, it's literally, it's like, it, <laughs> oh it doesn't, you know, it is it is what it is. So they had to be lubricated to go in, to slide in, to stay uh-huh. in. So Sasha went in first or Mark went in first, depending on the, the angle. We had two cameras. We cracked, we, z- you know, zipped open some um, s- a side, put two cameras on each side to do a shot on reverse. Uh-huh. And then I went in there the only light source was me with my iPhone lighting them. So I I was underneath them, literally like in between their genitals. <laughs> <laughs> Sasha, because at one point he loses his fans. And I was like... And I was in there. And, and the way we filled the thing with the gunk was we lowered this chamber. This whole thing was on hydraulics. And we lowered in, lowered it in basically a, a swimming pool of jizz. <laughs> that, so you know, is made out of McDonald's. Um, Uh, Milkshake (laughs) uh, uh, emulsifier. That's how how they make milkshake at McDonald's. You know, it's with (laughs) with something that looks very much like uh, elephant spunk. Thank God you uh, you finished that sentence. Uh, (laughs) So they lowered it, and then the thing is, like we we lowered, we lowered, we lowered. So I went completely underwater, Uh under jeez, and stayed there. And almost drowned every time because like, they, they lowered me. Lowered, and I was the first one to go in. They had to keep acting, so I was staying in there for like one minute, two minutes. You know, look, like, you know, we all got so sick. We all had um, ear infection. At the end, it oh was it God. was it was terrible. It was intense, and and also we had to reset. It was we became extremely close that, that at that moment because we had to reset everything. And the only way to reset because they were in there, I had to clean Sasha's butt and. Testicles with my hand uh, <laughs> in between takes. Surely you don't have to, Louis. Surely you can get people to do that. Before you, you're,
0: <laughs> you're
6: no, big, no, I'm a
1: very hands-on director. You're a big film director. Oh, you no, can... no, I'm a hands-on director. <laughs> I do the lighting and the butt cleaning. Oh my God. <laughs> do you get paid double for that? Is that <laughs> no. no, but, it, but it's, it, it is. You know, I, we had to do that. And everything, but it, 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 that's the thing. When you work with Sasha, you just commit, and I think you know that's a lesson that I learned and you know I just went all the way on Grimsby and and this one I went all the way it's like it, it, Grimsby Grimsby is Grimsby but Grimsby really helped me to do Dark Crystal because I was like don't compromise just do everything yeah. you you know it will work or it won't work but just don't do a compromise along the way there's so many doubters and so many you know studios and everything people are like it won't work it won't work it won't work and then sometimes it doesn't work but then sometimes it, it does work if you really mm. trust your gut and you just say I want to do puppets. I want to do full puppets. Keep it dark. Keep it big. Thematic. Have I? I, I want to have Taryn Edgerton, I want to have uh, 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 um, Mark Hamill. I want to have all these people in my mm. show. And you end up r- really the show that really making the show that you wanted to do. And not. Uh, I must say, if I look back in my career, the stuff that. Hasn't worked is because I accepted a compromise.
0: I was going to I was going to say about that because I imagine the first couple of movies that you made, you know, Transporter, the two Transporter movies, yeah. maybe even Unleashed or Danny the Dog, mm-hmm. if if you're listening to this in mm-hmm. the states, Well, they largely made without compromise, and then maybe the Incredible Hulk, which looking back on what the MCU has become mm-hmm. since then, that feels in a way sometimes like the odd one out, in, in a, you know, in a in a like MCU, in a nice way, yeah, yeah because it's. It was co-produced with Universal. Mm. Um, And it's also, it felt sometimes, to feel sometimes me looking back, like Marvel were maybe not entirely confident about what they were doing, about the process that they've obviously refined and honed over the years. Um, I was wondering from your point of view, was was, was, was that the case and was there compromise involved?
1: There was compromise, a lot of compromise. Uh, Marvel, when we started, changed CEOs' Twice or three times while we were making the show, you know. Mm. So, and it was my first Hollywood movie, so I, I didn't have the courage that John Favreau had. So John did his thing, and he was like, and he had Louis Louis Desposito as his producer, and really pushing him. It was like you know they create they created this bubble around themselves, and then really went for it. And then Kevin Feige went for it, you know. Mm. I had like a completely different team, and I love Edward Norton; he's, he's incredible, but. He and Marvel didn't. It's almost like Marvel had an idea. I had another idea, but that was kind of like close to the Marvel, more you know, a little closer than you know, to yeah. the Marvel. And then, Edward literally wanted to do a Chris Nolan movie, you know, so like a dark, somber movie, which could have been. I mean, making Hulk, like you said, making making Hulk scary sometimes mm. works, but you need you need a pendant you need to make hulk sweet and sad and he's a big creature you need to have those moments when you fall in love with the hulk and mm-hmm. so there was this 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 clash very early on and and it kept going and kept going and kept going and I was like in the middle first hollywood movie I was like ah! you know and and never never protected so my compromises were just I just at the end of the day it was like trying to make a movie that would be good that that had one tone and not trying to please six masters plus Trying to find myself course, in yeah. it, you know, it was so that was the compor- that that really was the compromise. Uh, uh, Clash of Titans is great. A lot of Clash of Titans. There was a, there's a, the other compromises in there, but like ultimately, where I am now in my career, having done these things and and you know now you see me, no compromise. For example, that's a good example of like that's me, you know, finding this script saying I want to do it. You know that you know these other people I want to hire, let's do it. You know, a couple of like adjustments to the script a couple of budget adjustments but that's the movie we wanted to make and i wanted mm. to make so no compromise and that sort of shows you know and then dark crystal absolutely no com- like really absolutely no compromise to the point that i had almost zero notes from uh, netflix the notes were like wow can you tighten this scene can you th- like maybe like fi- every every note which was amazing was like capital w o couple w exclamation point dot da dot, dot. And then three little bullet points, and that was it. You know, instead of your, you know, the usual four pages of notes from from movie execs and stuff. It, it's it's it, just to get it. Is that a strange experience? This, this part of you start thinking, "Hang on a second, what's going on here?" The, you know, I've got notes on this, so why don't <laughs> why don't they have notes? No, no, on they, <laughs> no, but they had notes, and we had yeah. similar notes. It was more like, yeah. it, it, but they know, they know, that they understand the process. Yeah, you know, they sort of like they let people have their heads. Sort Which is why yeah, you know, Quarrel exactly, works sort of like, them So you want to do way. that You want to do that uh, We don't have enough money To do this thing Can you find a syst- You know Can you Can you l- Lose five You know Instead of doing Three big establishers mm. That need to have Some CG elements in it you know, Can you do two Yeah no problem You know Like you know Oh the music Can it start here Can it start there I mean, That's That sort of stuff I think the right collaboration With the studio Is when they ask you the, When they also understand The, the, the show you're making And and then you you sort of like head towards towards the final uh, product together and not against each other. That's the problem. When something is not good, is that you pitch them something they they hired you on a vision, and somebody, the director or you no, know, most of the time the studio changed their mind for some reason. Yeah, as you know. Yeah, absolutely. That must be tough though, because you say
0: something like the Incredible Hulk is your first. Hollywood movie, and it must be tough to not compromise. If you know what I mean,
1: yeah, oh, completely, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, you,
0: know, it, you know, it must be tough sometimes to dig your heels in the ground and go, no, this is this is it's my way
1: or the highway. And I uh, did, and I I did, and they were like, you might never work in this town again. I was like, yeah, but is, yeah. And, and I, I guess <laughs> I will compromise. <laughs> no, but uh, no, 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 it's not. Uh, it, then some there's some stuff. That you know, I didn't compromise on, and 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 there were some stuff where I had to compromise. But we stayed, you know, close friends with yeah. Marvel. There's no, there's, you know, they they like literally, and I, I I was actually quite tired, so I couldn't do it. But they offered me uh, Thor while making, so mm. it, it was never there was never sp- bad blood between us. Yeah. But it was really, it was just I was put in an awkward situation. Mm. As a filmmaker, sometimes you put in awkward situations, but but you have to ultimately guide your career and find the projects that. are... Tr- it's very hard. You know, we know making movies is very hard. It's that you know it's the hardest thing. It's just it's exhausting. You 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 go away uh, to foreign countries to uh, away from your family. You know, you completely uprooted and you you turn your life upside down course, yeah, for yeah. one thing that. Yeah. Will work. Basically, is up on a movie screen for one weekend and then is forgotten. So, the idea of 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 going of taking on a project, a massive project like Dark Crystal, I was like, I just wanted also to make sure that it was something that I would not not get lost in. And yeah. that's the that's that's that. But with the support of Netflix, with Hanson, with all these people, I was like, I felt confident. And it was like, ultimately, yeah, to to find, to to finish this interview, this was the. Biggest undertaking of my life, but it was also the happiest undertaking of my life. It was like there was never, there was never a moment when I went like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, every day I went because it was so exa- <laughs> it's, it's Every shot is so hard, so complex, everything. Yeah. But every day I finished happy, cheerful. Yeah. I, I I knew I was making something that was. Different and are you
0: done with it? Might, might there be a, a season two?
1: Might might there be a, a movie it's, down the line? It's funny because like say Hulk, said it, you know all these movies that I've done and I was hopeful for. I've I've said yeah yeah because it's true. Like we had ideas for Clash and and, and Hulk and everything for sequels. And as you know, I said I said yes. Actually, I had this thing. This one I didn't even think about a season two because I, I didn't want to tempt the movie gods. I was like no 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 no. I, this is like I was lucky enough. We all were lucky enough, from the writers, to the puppeteers, to everybody involved in the movie, in the show. Sorry, to be handed this legacy project and to be able to do it the, the best way possible, uh, leaving us completely alone by Netflix. That we're like, thank you. At the end, it's the, the you know the only movie where the last day everybody was crying. Only show the last day uh, everybody was crying. We were we you know we were we knew we'd done something that could be the once in a lifetime experience and never again so we 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 just it's so different you know you've seen it. it's so different so it, the tone is is both you know beautiful and scary and you know thematic and funny and so we have the palette is so big that it's so 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 special that mm. I don't want to tempt anything and, and, and <laughs> no and be like yeah it's it really is for the audience to get it's yeah. people will either love it or yeah. be like ah eh, it's puppets I don't get it and everything <laughs> but but hopefully they'll love it
0: I don't know I think I think it's, it. There's gonna be an eight year old somewhere maybe in France maybe here maybe in the Definitely US in watching it and then they'll they'll go outside and they'll start
1: playing with puppets and but that's my goal that's actually it's funny what you said because I that's my that's my only wish it's for somebody to have the same impulse that I had watching the original movie um, watching our show to be like oh yeah they were (laughs) able to do that that weird French guy
0: with a weird career. Yeah. He was able to do that. <laughs> and then 30 years from now, that person will be sitting here and I'll I'll be really old going, welcome to the Empire Podcast. In that uh, same massive theater. The same Hopefully, massive you'll theater. be filled that time. <laughs> have to, have to go, yeah, yeah, precisely. Start
6: tweeting now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll do it right right, yeah. right away.
0: Uh, Louis Leterrier, director of Le Dark Crystal, L'Âge de Résistance. Le temps <laughs> de oh, la résistance. Thank you, man.
6: Very <laughs> great. Thanks.
0: I, I was so bad at French so bad at <laughs> French it's been a pleasure man thank you so thanks, much thanks cheers <laughs> okay so that was Louis the Terrier and that was me garbling the French language my apologies to the people of France mon dieu no it's it's Friday mon dieu is not until <laughs> start oh right, uh, right should we talk about the movie news love what's, to what's been sure. happening been Where some
4: exciting trailers this week
0: have there
4: I think so Great. one or two what yeah. were they So, Star Wars trailer happened.
3: Well, not a trailer so much as a little bit of footage, but uh, yeah, it's like a sizzle. A sizzle, sizzle. sizzle. yeah. They're still working on the trailer. Mm. But yeah, a lot happened. Mm. A lot happened. C-3PO with red eyes.
4: Ooh,
5: Scary. Lots and lots of Star Destroyers. He had a red arm. Now he's got red eyes.
3: Yeah, that's right. I think he
4: goes a bit mental. What? Mm. Really? Yeah. You genuinely think that? Yeah. That's mad.
3: Yeah. I mean, it is, I suppose. It is. Yeah, okay. But more than that, more than that, the money shot of this particular Sizzle reel was, of is course, Ray at the end. Doc yeah. Ray. With, with with black hooded cow thing holding a red lightsaber, mm. a double red lightsaber, which spins around to become a mole like double red yeah, lightsaber. Yeah, pretty cool. Which is pretty
4: fucking. So I have some I have some questions. First of all, I, I really like the whole dark hood thing. I think they're really nice. We should bring them back into fashion. Huh, Genuinely, yes. they're a good look for that, everybody. That Scottish widow's look. Scottish yeah. widow's look. I've <laughs> always loved that. French <laughs> lieutenant's woman, you know, you the know. whole thing. So I'm totally down with that look. And of course, like, Luke basically had it in Return of the Jedi. So it's not necessarily yeah. that that's a dark Thing, she like also ours, has I that think.
3: slightly sort of like deliberately shadowed eyes to make her look a little. Yeah, bit I mean, I'll look, I'll
4: be honest. I hundred percent think it's a dream sequence. I agree, but yeah. um, hmm. I'm just I'm interested in it, and I'm interested in whether the cool lightsaber is based on something yeah. cool that maybe isn't so quite but so dark. I
3: think you can agree, it's always nice when dream sequences have new and interesting merchandising opportunities.
4: So right, uh, I mean, know,
5: that's, wait, what? This, <laughs> this is what interested me about that trailer. There, there, there's a moment where Rey throws a lightsaber through the trees, and it comes back to her. And then there's an outtake of. Uh, Princess Leia in the forest and they seem to be in the same forest. Mm. Are they training? Is she training him? Her? Huh? James, you know this stuff. Is that, what do you think? I couldn't possibly say. Oh.
3: But mainly because I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
5: but, uh, I thought, yeah. I, I thought Star Destroyers in the, in a kind of dark, stormy sky. Mm. That's a bit solo to me. It reminded me of those scenes of solo. I didn't mind earth. it. I mean, yeah. it's
3: just, there's an awful lot of spoilers slash speculation slash what mm. on the internet and if you want to go down that particular rabbit hole and I really suggest you don't yeah. uh, then a lot of these things maybe make a bit of sense but it got me very excited Yeah. Me too. I can say in the room of D23 that last shot of Ray people lost their absolute minds yeah. as you would mm. expect which is what it was designed to do um, yeah, it's pretty exciting. It's yeah. pretty exciting. I think also in a year when I would say a lot of the cinematic oxygen was sucked out of the room by Thanos, you know, as is only right.
4: Oh my God.
3: Uh, in Endgame. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think excitement for Endgame was so big that Star Wars kind of faded a little bit into the background.
4: Yeah. Well, nobody cared about Star Wars until Endgame was done. Yeah. Like, at all. But like- I think
3: you know, this—it's it's, this—is a first step to making people making people think. Do you know yeah. what? This is actually really exciting yeah. as well. And so, at the end of the year, there is something. And oh, we've
4: got some room at the end of the year in our emotional time I frame think so. to oh, sorry be excited guys.
3: again. I'm all about Jumanji. That seems fair.
4: Emotionally, that's what you're excited about. Mm. Come Christmas,
3: his weakness is cake.
4: I mean, it's my true. weakness is also cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can dig it. Yeah. I'm going
3: to be
0: spending some of that £350 million pounds <laughs> on cake.
5: Um, and what yeah. do we think of the, all the Marvel news out of D23? I, this is why I'm on this mm. podcast. I want you to explain this to me. Yeah, I didn't know who Moon Knight was, right? So I looked this up. He's on, a
3: superhero who shows his bum to villains.
5: That's right, okay. Essentially <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I looked him up on Wikipedia, yeah. mm. and the first thing that Wikipedia tells you is that Wizard magazine voted him the 149th greatest comic book character. <laughs> yeah. And I think this is where we're at now, is it? We're making films about the 149th
0: greatest character. He's
4: been kind of, a, he's a weird Batman spin-off, but with a bit of a twist, Spin-off's right? Spin-off is such spin-off, a lovely sorry, way of saying it. Uh, rip-off is what I meant. But hasn't he got three right. identities? Four now. Four, fucking so Four, yes. So, so, so he's, yeah. he's the playboy billionaire type, or a yes. playboy rich boy, mm. and he's also a mercenary, like, like a mercenary yeah. dude? Well, he,
0: he is a mercenary for right. Mark Spector, who kind of you know he gets caught up with this egyptian moon god called khonshu and is imbued with with powers, the powers of the moon but a that, part of that the means of that his his psyche kind of fractures a little bit uh some there are different iterations so there there are some iterations where he is deliberately taking on different guises mm. so he hides in real life as this billionaire playboy cuz he got rich off it and then he also by night is a uh how, how should we say this, a, a sort of lo-fi cabbie. So he keeps his <laughs> ear to the ground of the city by being a cabbie and going around and, and you know, oh, a governor, you know, don't go South River this time of night. He's a bit like that. And then he's also a Mark Specter, but now there's a fourth personality as well. And in different, in most recent iterations, the, the psyche fracture is uh, unintentional. And right. so he sometimes doesn't quite know who he is or what he's up to or what's happening.
5: But there's an IGN list that rates him as the 29th greatest Avenger out of the 30. So he's an Avenger as well, isn't he? <laughs> oh, okay. Is I he an Avenger? No, they're,
4: I they're, mean, sometimes,
5: not very often. Not yeah. like, yeah. He like,
3: was work experience once. Yeah. Most, in in, in turn, Avenger.
5: Most people have been Avengers at one point yeah,
4: or yeah, other. Yeah, yeah,
5: yeah.
4: I mean, there's potential there to do something, but there's also potential for it to be shit and bad. So let's just hope <laughs> that they yeah. don't do that.
5: But, but, but fair play to John Nugent. In his news feature a few months ago, he predicted uh, Ms. Marvel... Uh, She-Hulk,
3: was an She-Hulk, and Moon Knight, yeah. and he
5: also suggested Squirrel Boy, which I thought was a made-up joke one at the end. Squirrel Girl, apparently, apparently Squirrel
4: Girl is freaking amazing mm. and genuinely, you would be really amused by. She's her. nuts. She's
5: um, so what she's was the one that them. got? There was four that actually got announced. What was the other so, one? So, um,
4: so She-Hulk, Ms. Marvel, yeah. Moon Knight, and, yeah. and then the the ones we've already got and like the What If, um Falcon, and the Winter Soldier.
3: Did the What If footage go online?
4: Not that no. I've watched.
3: The what if footage was really interesting because mm. that was a bit of an unknown quantity. It looked really good. Like there's so one of the sequences we saw was, you know, the sequence where 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 Steve Rogers gets his super serum and the thing opens and he's all muscular. It opens, but it's Agent Carter in there, yeah. and she's had the super serum. So then you see her in Cap America gear, except it's I won't say Captain Britain because that's a different character, but she's mm. got a Union Jack on her shield, so she's like a British cap. And then Weedy Steve Rogers is there in a weird, almost Mark I Iron Man suit, which was a an interesting kind of team-up thing. And then there was another so we,
5: sequence. See, that's uh, Chris Evans, then? Uh,
3: doing the voice, yeah. Oh. and then uh, So uh, Chris Evans is doing the voice. They're all doing
0: their voices. He wasn't announced when they announced it. Well, well you he may not speak. You didn't hear him speak yeah, in the thing. The but only, the only people, people who weren't announced were Evans and Downey. Oh, okay. Interesting. So I'll be well, in- I also
3: saw there was... Bucky Barnes and Winter Soldier guys fighting zombie Captain America in a tube carriage.
4: Not okay with zombies. So that was okay. uh,
3: that was unexpected as well. But, yeah, I mean, it looks absolutely batshit, but in the best yeah, possible way. So I'm, like I'm very it. much looking forward to it. So yeah. uh, that should be pretty fun. But, yeah, no, I, I, in terms of the new ones, Moon Knight is an unknown quantity for mm. me. I don't really know him very well. She Hulk's an interesting one. Yeah. She feels certainly in keeping with the Marvel Netflix stuff, in that she's quite... In the same way the Ms. Marvel is, I guess, well, in the street-level... Superheroes, do you know what I mean, where they don't feel quite
4: like. I disagree on Ms. Marvel, but I think you're right on. She is a Ms. Marvel, a
3: like she's 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 often compared to Spider-Man as someone who kind she of looks all, off yeah, for but her... if you think
4: about it, Spider-Man, like does quite a lot of kind of cosmicy stuff, and so does she. Yeah, she's he, been he linked, branches out. She's been linked a lot in the comics, which I don't think they're going to do it on screen, but it'll be interesting to see. So in the comics, she becomes uh, an Inhuman through mm. the Terrigen, Terrigen mists, mists. Yes. Um, so she's linked to them, and she actually kn- you know goes mm. and meets them. And where stuff does she like that. live? Where does she live? What's N- her New Jersey City, New Jersey. Jersey so,
3: But a lot of her stuff happens in that area. So I suppose they could do it either way. Yeah, they they yeah, could yeah. branch out yeah. or they could keep it quite lo-fi and keep it off the kind of Avenger level stuff. But it, it, interesting, very interesting. And looking at what they're doing with this stuff, I mean, we haven't really seen footage of, of these shows. but um, Nothing at all. We, no. They showed us a, should we say, a tone reel for WandaVision, which was sequences from Civil War and uh, Infinity War kind of cut together with sequences from the Dick Van Dyke show. And that seems to be what they're going for. So it feels like that this is a weird reality that Wanda has created. And it's a 1950s sitcom. Mm. And Kat Dennings is in it. Yeah, yeah. As, uh, as Darcy. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's going. I think it's oh. it going to be loads of fun. And I get the impression that it's going to, in some way, connect to Doctor Strange. Well, the of course, of she, Madden, we knew she's so, in that. Because so. she's yeah. in that. Yeah. So there should be some kind of bridging there.
4: Um, I'm really intrigued by all of this Um, I'd love to see She Help just be a courtroom drama where somebody turns out to be you know, eight eight feet tall I'm out of order
3: you're out of order and then she smashes the room up that'd be so good
4: Ms. Marvel I've said this on Twitter but I'm going to say it again this had better be a launchpad for a proper proper big screen outing she is a character who there is no reason to consign merely to the small screen Unless you're just sexist and Islamophobic, and um, she should be on the big screen. You're I'm so genuinely, TV-ist. I am absolutely adamant about this. And she shouldn't be just like a, you know, a little role in a team up movie. No, no, I want a fucking solo mi- movie, and I will not be happy until I get it. Okay. Uh,
3: so well, MCU yeah, shows look very good. They're listening. So, I'm sure they're uh, listening. listening.
0: Sure, you know, they've just they just they've just crossed down something in 2024 <laughs> yeah. and put in Miss Marvel movie. I, I'm intrigued. Uh mm. I'm very excited about She Hulk. Excited about yeah, I'm excited about all of them to be quite frank. um uh, did you shot. like the
3: Mandalorian footage?
0: Didn't see it. did you see the Mandalorian trailer?
3: I, I, the, fun? I yeah, saw it with fun. the
4: Cats uh, soundtrack. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, actually, I actually did watch it myself. For, uh, yeah, it looks good. Um, I'm not sure why you cast Pedro Pascal and always have his helmet on, but I'm sure he'll take it off at some point. I like the Werner Herzog... Yeah touches you know because you can never go wrong with him really doing can't. a bit of voiceover can you yeah I'm, I'm intrigued I mean once I got was assured oh, that it wasn't it. an entirely Boba Fett thing then mm. and reminded that he only wears Mandalorian armor hmm, mm. then I've been okay with it
3: yeah it, it does look like a lot of fun it certainly has a very high production value so mm. I saw about 50 minutes of footage at Celebration as well including the whole Werner Herzog scene which was great but yeah I'm looking forward to this one and obviously we had the confirmation about Obi-Wan as well so that's yeah. going ahead yeah. and I
0: believe it's yes, eight, years, eight after? years after Revenge of the Sith yeah, yeah. So, now that I am excited about, I did see the Mandalorian trailer. I'd forgotten i seen it. <laughs> it really made uh, a, a resounding impression. No, was, uh, You mentioned Werner Herzog, and that was the thing. I went, "Oh, it's Werner Herzog! Yeah. I forgot he was in this. That's great." Listen, the people involved are are great, and uh, so that that makes me excited. Um, what do we what do we
5: think the Obi wan show is? Because I think it's him sitting in the desert trying to remember if he had a droid or not. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> what is that show? It, that drinking blue milk in a bar.
5: If it's um, after Avengers, if he's in the desert, he's on Tatooine. Hmm. I mean, that's a very valid rescue point. mission
4: what? for other surviving Jedi. Something would he, will he like fight that.
5: Darth Maul again? That's, but then there
3: is that, there, there is more, because I guess, you know, canonically, there's a lot that goes on kind of in Rebels,
0: isn't there? So, and, yeah. and whatnot. So.
4: Something involving Olderan. We've never seen Olderan, really, have we? So,
0: that's true. that'd be but, cool. Yeah. In that new timeline, low, where they showed how everything fits into each other. And someone has taken it upon themselves to give the trilogy, the prequel trilogy, and now this new trilogy, Mm. official titles, umbrellas, which I really didn't like. Mm. Uh, So it was Age of Republic for the Mm. prequel trilogy trilogy. Age of res- Rebellion. Ask, Age of Rebellion for the original trilogy, and then Age of Resistance for this new trilogy. Surely those two are the same thing? Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's semantic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the
4: names of the groups, isn't it?
3: Also, it's a bit dark, Crystal.
0: I guess, but
3: I it, maybe yeah. this, like Wonder Vision, this will be something out of left field, like a knockabout romantic comedy, like Obi Wan Kenobi in Looking for Love in Alderaan Places.
4: Yes, souls. <laughs> oh, souls. I'd watch
5: that. I'd watch that. <laughs> yeah. I would watch that. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Wait, isn't he not allowed to
5: look for love? Well, he doesn't matter anymore, does it? As long no left. Jedi, he, he, Is that it? His he line got, manager yeah. got order
0: sixty-six. He's absolutely <laughs> fine. What if it's a Joel Schumacher-esque existence that suddenly <laughs> living, working his way through Tuscan Raiders? <laughs> yeah. and oh my god! <laughs> Hello there. It's <laughs> 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 the best time. <laughs> it's just Obi Wan Kenobi fucking his way through the Tatooine desert.
4: <laughs> this is a really <laughs> unexpected direction for Disney Plus, but I, for one, am yeah. really yeah. intrigued to see it.
5: But it's interesting to me, though, with the whole D23 thing... That's no moon. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, reach out with your feelings. Yes. Anyway. With,
5: with D23, it yes. seems to me that you have a film like Jungle Cruise, which is biggest stars on the planet, mm. Dwayne Johnson, mm. Emily Blunt, they seem to get lost in the shuffle of, it, of the announcements. You know? I mean, it's it's quite, they, they played, played well it in the room.
3: They played well yeah, in the room. But yeah,
5: but in terms of... So I wait, it feels like a lot of excitement gets expended over two days. You yeah. could eat then, out over six you months. Could. You
4: could say the same about you know Comic Con, and and they, and they yeah. haven't put, for example, a Jungle Cruise trailer online, so they yeah. can still that spread will, that, that, will have that out. Yeah,
3: that that was a lot of fun. Uh, Dwayne Johnson came out on a steamboat and played a yeah. very yeah. hymn centric trailer, yeah. and then Emily Blunt came out in a car and played. The Counterpoint trailer from her perspective, which was a lot of fun. It had a real kind of um, uh, Romancing the Stone meets first Pirates movie vibe to it. Yeah. Like It was, it looked a lot of fun. And also the animated stuff played very well as well. Mm-hmm. We got to hear um, uh, the new Elsa song from Frozen 2. Mm-hmm. Which oh, my words. It's no Let It Go, but it actually, mainly because it doesn't have all the Emancipation stuff in it, so it doesn't quite resonate. No but song in history catchy.
0: has got that level of pressure on it. No, I you know. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah.
3: But they, I mean, did, they did You know, they put it out there, which is fair play yeah. to them. And then the they did an ensemble thing in the room, and so they were all on stage singing. You know, Dina Menzel and and, and, no, uh, Adele and whatnot. Uh, But Adele the scene. Adele the scene. Although me. all the way through it, I was like, "Why is Holden from Mindhunter singing to a reindeer?" Yeah. Just like that's just a really weird. I mean, he's, for
4: me. he's King George the Third, actually.
5: But, yeah, it's <laughs> nice that you think. That. I but, love him in Mindhunter. Actually. But this, this is what I want to know. When will we get Disney Plus in Britain? Um, we don't
3: know. They haven't given a date. Mm. It is looking like it will be the first half of 2020, right. but that's the best they can say. Because in the UK, know. there are distribution deals that Disney have, which I think they have to wait for them to expire. So They can't bring a lot of the properties that they want to bring back back in the UK. So. And
5: how much do you think it will cost? Uh, oh God, I have no idea. I suspect. What did it, it, how, what does it cost in the states?
0: Um, I can't remember. I think, think
4: it's honest. about eight dollars a month yeah, or eighty it's, it's for a year, six, that, something, six, something like that. Six
0: ninety nine. Okay. So, uh, or seventy if, for the year. if it's pound per dollar, which yeah. is pro- we're which pretty much where we are. Uh, it will actually be cheaper than Netflix, but again, it's one of those things. And Apple Plus, uh, Apple TV Plus, is now starting their rollout with mm. with trailers for their content. Mm. The uh, uh, the Dickinson sitcom seems to be, or is this sort of light comedy drama about Emily Dickinson with uh, Haley Steinfeld? Mm. That that hit this week as well, as well as the Morning Show trailer for that. And that's going to be a subscription as well. Mm. So you got Netflix, you got Amazon, you've well, got the this, moment, you got Disney+. Plus, you I'll be, got I'll be honest, at the stuff.
4: moment, like Amazon, uh, Apple doesn't look necessary. No, that I think Helen's yeah.
3: absolutely right. And I think what Disney yeah. Plus really showed is how unnecessary Apple looks. Because yeah. they've spent a lot of money on big people. But there's nothing there that you think I must see. Whereas Disney Plus, they've got at least six shows that are absolutely mandatory viewing. So... I don't know quite what they're doing. Also, I'd be interested to see if some of those shows, like The Mandalorian, do end up on something like Sky this year. Because if they wait to bring it to the UK until next year, they're going to have piracy issues. Mm. So you've got to think they might be looking at licensing deals. Okay. Who knows?
0: Mm. It is, yeah, it's interesting. Because yeah, I, I I think, honestly, the Obi-Wan show alone is reason enough for me to be excited about Disney+, Plus, uh, which seems really strange, given that he comes from the prequels and the prequels aren't that great. But... I really like his Obi Wan Kenobi and mm. I felt he was one of the strongest elements of those three movies. Maybe not the first one, but certainly the, the second and third as it went along. Yeah. He was oh. he was better and better and better. And I'm excited to see him do something like this. There was talk of a Obi Wan spin off movie with mm. Stephen Daldry of all people. Who knows, he may still be involved with this. Maybe they felt there was too much story and they've 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 stuck it into a, a six, eight episode TV show. But what I was gonna say about the uh, the timeline they've they've brought out with the age of Republic, age of Rebellion, Age of Resistance thing, is that they very clearly put the Obi Wan show starting I think around the same time as Solo. So then that that's led to speculation online, as you said, that Darth Maul is gonna be in this universe canonically. Mm-hmm. And he might be a little bit pissed off with the guy who cut him in half all those years ago. So maybe he'll go to Tatooine looking for Well, a lot of looking that's for vengeance. covered, isn't it?
3: Because the two of them have their showdown in Rebels. Like that's all, all... Is that still canon now? That's all canon. Rebels yeah, is that's canon. That's all been done. Okay. Uh, but yes, those those two do, you know, meet again in that. Uh, but I mean, I'm not surprised Ewan's back. He's been making noises for a while that he'd like to return to that role. I'm just surprised he didn't come out of D23 and go, negotiations were short. <laughs> um, but
0: hey, you know, I'm I'm there for it. Sounds cool to us. Uh, You're talking about things kind of not maybe getting enough traction. Uh, I think Jungle Cruise certainly didn't. I I think things like this in Comic-Con it's kind of survival of the fittest, really, in a way. The things that people are most excited about tend to get the most traction. Mm -hmm. But around about the same time as all this news was dropping from D23, another trailer dropped for a very exciting project called El Camino. Uh,
5: Mm -hmm. And I
0: don't know if that got as much traction as perhaps it would have done ordinarily. Because El Camino is the Breaking Bad movie uh, written and directed by Vince Gilligan which is shot. They shot it in secret. They've edited it. It is ready to go. It will be on Netflix and in the States October 11th. And it is it is a sequel to Breaking Bad. And I'm massively excited about it. And It's going to star Aaron Paul as Jesse Pinkman. And that's about it in terms of what we know about it. And you can start your speculation right now. So what it? would
5: you speculate? What do you think it's going to be about?
0: Uh, I think it's going to be following Jesse because he's... Being hunted by authorities Mm -hmm. for you know being a a giant meth meth dealer, yeah, yeah. big big old (laughs) meth dealer and uh, and cook and whatnot. Uh, So I don't know if it's going to take place in New Mexico. Both I think they shot there, so maybe it will. But I wonder if, if he's going to be on the run a little bit and trying to deal with the demons of his past. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if we had flashbacks to stuff that we hadn't seen before. Because I love, you know, can you will we see Brian Cranston again as Walter White? Will we see Hank? Will we, you know, all the all the great characters from Breaking Bad? And I'm also intrigued to see whether it does begin to fit in to Better Call Saul right. in some way. I'm I wonder if there's going to be a way that Jesse Pinkman and um, Saul Goodman, aka Jimmy McGill, Flipping aka Jimmy, aka Gene, the manager of the Cinnabon in Omaha, Nebraska, might. Meet up at some point because Better Call Saul's the fifth season starts next next season next year. It's not the last season, but it's probably the penultimate season. So maybe everything's beginning to to mesh. There's got to be a reason for Vince Gilligan to tell this story. So I'm I'm intrigued to see what it is. Yeah, let's hope. Great.
4: And um, there was also a trailer this week for the Joker, or just Joker. It was. Which I mean, look, I'm really excited about this film. I'm really interested to see it. I'll definitely be watching it. It looked a little bit like a sort of school shooter's self justification, but you know, cool. I, I, I
3: think I, I the DC imagine. fans are gonna fucking hate it.
4: I think the DC fans are gonna go absolutely Wh- nuts why, over it. Why? Really? Yeah, why I just
3: think that? it's not at all what they're used to, and what you know how they they get very upset and very territorial when things diverge from. And when I say DC fans, I should narrow it down. There's a very specific demographic of DC DC fan. I think you know who I'm talking about. You know, they're very vocal Twitter people. Uh, Release a Snyder Cut. But uh, what I'm saying is I think that it's a very different vision of that character that deviates quite a lot from maybe what they are expecting and maybe what they want. Um, yeah, look,
4: the, the Joker, I mean, I've, I've said this before as well, the Joker should not have a backstory in the sense that the Joker yeah. should not have a canonical. It's, this has been, there have been a few offered during the comics run over the last 80 years. They've all been retconned out of existence, all of them, right? Right. So the official position is that the Joker does not have a backstory. And the danger of this film for those kind of hardcore fans is that it gives Johnny Come Lately's the perception that he does have a backstory and this is it, which you're right, I don't think they'll like. But I think the vast majority of a certain type of fan, especially a very online, hmm. fa- socially inept fan, is going to seize on this as a, sort of to- as a sort of totem. And that's the thing that I think might be, on the face of it, and we don't know that we haven't seen the film yet, deeply unhealthy. But, great. you know, maybe not. I haven't seen it and I will yeah. be. It's a great seeing piece of trailer
0: it. making, isn't it? It's a very good trailer. It is. It is. I, I can't imagine for a second that this movie won't be deeply, deeply critical of its lead character or people who might idolise him.
4: I hope that's the case. I yeah. really do. I, I don't see that in any of the trailers so far.
0: Okay. Yeah. We, we do, see a guy, I, g- I, we we see a guy
4: getting um, getting picked on and then having some kind of, so far, righteous strike back. Yeah. That's not a great yeah message yeah for the I'm jokes.
0: just I'm not gonna I I I'd be very very surprised yeah
4: I, I very much hope. Um, you're right
5: and we should note that the um the reviews drop from Saturday so tomorrow okay well
0: we'll
3: find so out we'll
5: find out what people think it's a Venice so yeah
3: Ooh. more controversially perhaps even than that have you seen uh Chris Nolan and James Cameron have been uh touting filmmaker mode as a new thing that they're trying to get intro, uh, introduced to television sets. What's so this that? would get rid of smoothing. Motion, motion smoothing? Yeah, but it does more things. I think it it, it does colour balancing and, and other things.
4: Surely when you get into colour balancing, then it becomes controversial again. I yeah. mean, yes,
3: you would think. So so obviously you know, Tom Cruise and Christopher Nolan did that sort of public service announcement about motion smoothing, which is the devil's function mm-hmm. on any TV because it comes auto-turned on and it interpolates frames, which is a nerdy way of saying it. just It adds bits. Because films are only shot 24 frames a second, TVs display pictures more than that. So it all gets a little bit sort of smeary and blurry. Like some manufacturers do it better than others, but it never works well with movies. I think mainly because there's an innate cinematic feeling from films in that it only goes to 24 frames a second, which is objectively, a substandard way of showing content because right. a fewer frames a second. So like, so when you have a pan, a quick pan in a film, it judders, yeah. and that's 24 frames a second. But when you don't have that, see The Hobbit, when yeah. it was done yeah. in yeah. 48 frames a second, yeah. it looks like a BBC adaptation of The Box yeah, of Delights. Yeah, it was you know weird. I mean? It's weird, yeah. and it freaks you out.
4: Although, I like The Box of Delights, <laughs> so let's not have the drive-by there, okay. But
3: you know what I mean? Like, It doesn't feel like a film. It loses that sort of cinematic feeling. And it, it could be that, you know, if tomorrow... All films were done in forty-eight frames. We'd get used to it quite quickly, yeah. and actually, that would be the new cinematic. But at the moment, god damn it, we fear change. We will not have it, and uh, so no motion smoothing because that is bad. And this, uh, they have said, will be will be coming to televisions, and we'll do what exactly have they said it will do? Disable motion smoothing. Good. Preserve the aspect ratio. I mean, you'd hope TVs do that anyway. Uh, color balance and the frame rate of a movie. So no. it will be preserving things.
4: Cool. 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 Cool.
3: Don't know quite how that will work. Great. Don't yeah. know how many TVs will have it, but go for it.
4: Hey guys, what are your plans for twenty thirty
0: nine? Pissing myself and then dying slowly. Well, what, <laughs> what about you?
4: Oh my god, I've got something to keep you busy while you do. Because I'm Richard Linklader. <laughs> Richard Linklater is setting up a new adaptation of a musical. It's going to star Beanie Feldstein, who, of course, is having a phenomenal year, yep. and Ben Platt, who, of course, was the star, original Broadway star of Dear Evan Hansen, um, had, a, had a great, great start in musicals there. They will be starring in Stephen Time's Merrily We Roll Along. Now, sometimes story is set over 20 years, and Richard Linklater has taken this literally and decided... We don't need no old age makeup. We don't need no CGI. We need a 20 year shooting schedule. So that's what they're going to do.
5: So I'm intrigued by this in that when they made Boyhood, which was over 12 years, they did it in secret. Yeah. So now for 20 years, Beanie Feldstein's going to ask, how's that been going?
4: Do you know what I mean? So they'll
5: be be continually asked about it. And that's not a good state to be in, I don't think, when you're making a film.
4: I think this is worrying or or potentially troublesome on many levels. Um, because with boyhood, he could adapt the story to fit yeah. real life to an extent. You know, um, his sister didn't want to be part of it anymore, right? So she kind of dropped away from the story in, in later kind of installments. This is a scripted thing. You have to hit certain marks. So if one of these people, God forbid, is hit by a car, you're in like the whole, you know, 19 mm-hmm. years worth of work could be out the window. Like it's it's a, it's a lot. It yeah, just feels yeah. like a lot.
0: We don't want that to happen. No.
4: No, to be clear, but the other thing, I, I think mean, they're all great.
5: Link Late is 59, so it'll be 79 when it's done. And your disposition changes. Your 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 yeah. taste change in those years. You know. so be the interesting art to of see.
4: cinema might change completely.
0: Yeah.
5: It's
4: fascinating. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. fair play to the ambition,
0: but. Hmm. It's great. Yeah. It's tempting to fade a little bit, but it's, it's absolutely fantastic. I wouldn't uh, go to any. Anvil stores or, no. <laughs> or, you know, or or bull conventions or...
5: So the, the <laughs> musical arrangements that you start with must sound completely different 20 mm. years from now. Mm. He's brilliant, Richard Lingard. He is. He, he is. is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He is. One reason why he's brilliant is I spoke to him for an hour yesterday. Did you? And he didn't fucking mention this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well you oh, know God why
4: that's because he's going to be asked about it for the next 20 years <laughs> yeah. he's trying to enjoy one last moment of freedom
0: get him back on the phone Ian.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> get him back on the phone Ian, <laughs> hey. Ian scoop Freya yeah. yeah, exactly he's yeah. <laughs> a yeah. <laughs> one man uh, Woodward and Bernstein brilliant yeah. unbelievable classic Empire um, That <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> really got our fingers on the pulse <laughs> have you heard about this new movie that's uh, coming out Ian? it's called the Star Wars yeah, uh, yeah. 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 look star is in it it's yeah. going to be great great um, I can't uh, believe
4: you haven't mentioned, by the way, that Mark Rylance and Frank Langella have signed on to star in an Aaron Torkin film, James. Oh,
3: no, I, I haven't. I, yeah. I, have, I have my four stars ready. And um, it was
4: formerly the Spielberg film. The Trial Chicago of the Seven. Chicago 7. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually happening. So you've both let down your favourite people there. Yeah,
5: exactly. That's
4: disappointing.
3: And that's, I've that's... Pro-
4: proved myself the number one fan of both the West Wing and but Spielberg. I'm,
3: I'm sure that do you'll that. be available do to that. give it an, an unduly harsh <laughs> review down the line, so it's fine. Um,
4: I was on the
5: money.
0: <laughs> I film, was on the money. That film's the been money. kicking around for years, is not it? That's, yeah, really that long, film, long
5: ages, that film.
0: Yeah, Paul Greengrass was attached, Spielberg was attached, Ben Stiller mm-hmm. was attached to direct it at one point.
5: Yeah, Will Smith was in it at one point. Was he? Yeah. Wow,
0: now it looks like it might actually happen with Aaron Sorkin at the helm. Very, very excited. Also, we should mention very, very quickly that uh, James Gunn is adding, has added, or is about to add, two more people to the cast the ever-growing cast of the Suicide Squad I have a feeling that more people might be expendable so it might be diminishing at some point This, <laughs> the cast of this movie as things go along might be more like the dirty dozen of superheroes that the first film should have been you know along with being coherent that would have been nice but anyway so yeah, I know. Well, yeah, it's that's the Shade of Suicide Squad. I'm so <laughs> <laughs> does, does,
5: does James Gunn give this a cachet now? Do people care more about it? I think he does. More about yeah, this? I think yeah,
0: do. yeah. yeah, I think he does. Although, uh, quite frankly, it's just treading water until Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, yeah. isn't it, really? But uh, no, we're all very, very excited about it. Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, all that sort of stuff. But the, the <laughs> cast is very, very good. Nathan Villian has been added to the cast. We right. like him. Wow, we we do. Do. He's a do. He's a good guy. He's worked with uh, James Gunn before. Uh, and this is throwing the cat amongst the pigeons. Taika Waititi is in talks to join the cast Brain of the Suicide Squad. Uh, I don't know how the hell he's going to fit this in. What yeah. with prepping. Who are the people who have Wins. Been in
5: DC films and Marvel films? There must be other people. Oh, there. Oh, yeah, Lawrence few- Fishburne Chris Evans? in Man right. of
0: Steel and Batman Superman. Yeah. Colon Dawn of Justice, and of course he is Bill Foster, aka Goliath, mm-hmm. in Ant Man and the Wasp, the greatest of all the MCU films.
5: <laughs> is it a bit like playing
0: for <laughs> Liverpool and Everson? Um, I guess it is, yeah. N- so no, Taika, Taika uh, YTD right now is Nicky Barnby.
4: <laughs> I, I feel like it's more playing for uh, insert, please, the name of two clubs that are both very, very successful but not direct rivals. Like okay. AC Milan and Barcelona. Do you right. think? A little Do bit. Do you think? Yeah.
5: I'm uncomfortable with this oh, I absolutely musical. salute Helen for that
0: reference there very good <laughs> well done by the way yeah
4: <laughs> I know the difference between La Liga and the other one <laughs>
0: yeah. no I this yeah because he's literally working for Marvel at the moment and I wonder if this is his way of going hey you know we're all friends here and there's no animosity and yeah. also might be a really cool role and he might get bumped off after three minutes mm. so, so you know who knows but uh, yeah exciting stuff
4: maybe he'll turn out to be Adam Beach's long lost brother <laughs>
0: Maybe Does Slip will. not
4: have a long-lost brother in the comics?
0: Surely he's called Corn. <laughs> Probably.
4: That's
3: good.
0: That's good. Good millennial reference. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. I'm fresh <laughs> out. Um, right. Is that it? Everyone else, we're exhausted for we're news. Dead. Okay. Time now for our second guest this week. Uh, she is one of the best directors we have in this country. Although she's only made a handful of films over the last few years. Films like Unrelated, Archipelago, Exhibition, and now The Souvenir. She is, of course, the great Joanna Hogg. And she came into this very booth early on this week to talk to this very man, Ian Freer. She did. About a great many things. Not Star Wars, though. No. <laughs> it really didn't come up. No, didn't, did it, no. <laughs> <laughs> Should have asked about Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Could have done the show right here. Yeah. We'll anyway. Talk about EastEnders, though. You do talk about EastEnders, yeah? Yeah. Uh, it's a really good interview. Do enjoy.
5: Joanna Hull, welcome to the Empire Podcast. Thank you. We're here to discuss the souvenir, which I guess is kind of must be a kind of a weird time for you in that you're promoting the souvenir part one and you're also you're making the souvenir part two. Is that that's, they're kind of different states, aren't they? Talking about something and then making something.
2: They're, they're very different states, but I, I realise I'm in a very uh, luxurious position in a way yeah. to have a film coming out and then making. Another one so soon afterwards. Yeah. Um, I'm not usually very good at... Uh, it's usually a bit of time between my films, so this is... is a luxury, this is, is it? This is a luxury, <laughs> yeah.
5: Um, the films about your days as kind of a film student and a, an important relationship within that. Was it kind of a, an easy decision to make something so personal, was it a lot of wrestling around that decision?
2: Uh, I mean, it was n- not really like a decision I made. It was just something uh, I felt impelled to do. And yeah. I think all my films have been personal and I put a lot of myself into each of, yeah. each of my four films. So this uh, didn't feel any different in that sense. And I think it comes quite naturally to me to sort of put a microscope on my own life. And, uh, of course, it's not always easy, you know, particularly when I'm writing the story. I'm digging up a lot of old memories and looking at old diaries and having to face who I was in my early 20s.
5: Right. And then when you're writing scripts, you don't write a script as such. Do you write a novella? Is that right? Is it something akin to a novella?
2: I'm trying to find different ways of describing what I do because I never (laughs) feel when I say that it's a... I, I call it a story document, but I think that doesn't really illustrate very well... What it is, I mean, it's it's kind of score like a musical score, right? Where I'm writing, I'm sort of more or less writing everything except dialogue, and even uh, even there will be some dialogue or some examples of it. I mean, a bit like in a, in a novel where you have you know people say things to each other, yeah. But it's not like pages and pages of dialogue. So it's um it's very detailed. It takes me as long to write as someone was spent writing a screenplay so it's it's there's the same amount of work that goes into it and it's just that I'm leaving space there for when I shoot for actors to make their contribution with the the dialogue um, because I have had the experience of writing dialogue and then having actors speak those words and it (laughs) never feels natural enough for me so I think well why bother to spend all that time writing the dialogue so in the this, first place. Does
5: that mean there's a long rehearsal process?
2: Uh, there's no rehearsal at all. Okay. So it all happens pretty much in the moment, um, and I shoot in story order, which allows me that freedom to yeah. adapt as I go along. And actually, I conti- the writing process continues as I'm shooting, but it makes it very—you uh, know—we're all sort of on, you know, working very much uh, on on our instincts, and I'm I'm constantly changing and, and, and adapting as I go along. And, and, and then the actors and the non-actors have to keep up, but they're part of that process. right? So they're using their own instincts too.
5: Part of this film, is it fair to say that it's partly about how you combine a creative life with a personal life is that is that fair it's kind of that, that tension between those two things
2: uh yes yes it's always very hard for me to sum up what what my films are sure. because they're yeah. created in such an intense way and then i sometimes forget actually what the ori- original idea is but yes yeah, so i'm i'm i was interested with this story of yeah talking about that difficult thing of of living a life and being creative
5: yeah uh, and when you were sort of recreating your life, I, I believe you've created a kind of a, a meticulous recreation of your, your your flat you lived in as a student. How was that? Was that fun to do? That,
2: that, that was really fun <laughs> to do. That was really fun to do. And where I thought I'd forgotten uh, a lot of memories of being in that space, by by recreating it, I, a lot of memories came back just right. through the sort of physical space. It was a very powerful thing to do.
5: And did you dig out a lot of old stuff you had from back in the day and did you did you still have that stuff? And, uh, yeah.
2: I, well surprisingly I'm, I'm, I'm good at uh, keeping things luckily <laughs> so quite a bit of the furniture came um, from out of storage that I'd kept. The, there's a gold bed in the film that is one that i still have oh wow Uh, i had to borrow back a table from my mum uh (laughs) various objects (laughs) and then also honor who plays julie she bought some of her own objects yeah into the into the film onto the set so i wanted her to feel at home too
5: right um one of the things that really resonated with me was that um i was at film school in the 80s the late 80s and um I can't remember those tutorials and those those. Your, your film school was great. The studio was amazing. Was that is that kind of a, a, a faithful recreation of the national film school, weren't you? Is that right? I was. I yeah. was. What film school did you go to? I was to? at uh, Politenka, Central London, uh, which is now University of Westminster, where uh, Asif Kapadia was a couple of years below me. So okay. you kind of you did well. So yeah, yeah.
2: Um, the film school, the, that, the creation of that... Yeah, there's, a, there's more artistic license when it came to cre- <laughs> creating the film school uh. because the National Film School is, is uh, yeah very different to what we, we used. And we were not limited because it didn't feel like a limit, but we, we had an aircraft hangar right. basically in which uh, everything had to be created. So the flat is built within the aircraft hangar and then the aircraft hangar itself became the film school yeah and so we built offices that were sort of alongside the this big hundred meter long space i mean it's pretty much the size of the bond stage at pinewood but without all the soundproofing and the and the fancy uh, yeah. equipment but it was a really wonderful space and i chose to shoot the film there because i felt I, I i fell in love with this enormous empty space, space. And i just thought well we can do a lot with it
5: yeah and how, how do you feel about your time at film school was it would you have become a filmmaker without it? Was it were you going that way anyway? How, how do you feel about film school?
2: Uh, well, it's so, it's so hard to say what would have happened if I hadn't been to film school. I oh. know that I was considering, before I went there, to um, start making films anyway, but I yeah. realised that that was quite challenging. I was making a film um, set in Sunderland, very much like Julie yeah. does in, in the film. And I was going to make a feature film, you know, with no prior experience to shooting drama. And I had all these ambitious ideas. And um,
5: is, it, is this a myth? Did Did Derek Jarman give you a camera in a cake shop? Is that true?
2: Oh, uh, well, he didn't uh, give uh, me the camera, camera. Oh. in the cake shop. <laughs> 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 uh, Pititory,
5: is it Valerie Petitory, is it? Which yeah, is in, in London, yeah. in Old Compton Street. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, but it is true. He used yeah. to go there. He used to go to... Patisserie Valerie, and he also used to go to Maison Berto, both which still exist in Soho. Yeah. And I caught him at um, there was one moment where I saw him sitting there. I think I probably saw him sitting there a lot, but I, I braved it on one occasion and went and asked if I could work on Caravaggio because he was oh, wow. developing um, Caravaggio. This is probably in about 1980, and he said uh, he asked me what I was doing and what my interests were, and I and, and invite, invited me into his studio. Um, and I took my photographs because I was a photographer at that time, and some drawings and he anyway, he basically encouraged me to make my own films rather than work on his
5: well wow, that 's great yeah and did you enjoy film school uh,
2: at times i did right at times I did I definitely struggled uh the reasons that are apparent in the film why why it was a struggle partly because of what, you know, the, this balance that we talked about of personal life and creative life. Mm. That, that was very difficult for me because I was in a relationship which was very consuming. Sure. But at the same time, I was uh, developing my ideas as a, as a film student. And I think once I started making my graduation film, I started to get my filmmaking mojo right i think so this is, um, is this caprice that was caprice yeah
5: so i googled caprice last night to try and find it on youtube and there's a very different sort of short film for called caprice which is a horror film so is it you can people see caprice is it? Is it on a dvd somewhere can people watch it no,
2: no. not not yet and there's a bit of a reason behind that because right. in part two which we've just finished shooting right julie makes a graduation film. Right. i am probably revealing too much already and I just feel it's be more interesting to reveal caprice in the light of part 2. So right. that's something I yeah. don't know. But it also and doesn't belong to me because I made it at film school. It belongs to the National Film School. National film school. school.
5: Yeah. And Tilda Swinton's in it.
2: She is. And it was
5: shot by David Tattersall, is that right? That's right. Shot, shot Star Wars prequels? Yes. Uh, yes. Really
2: amazing uh, cinematographer who um, I haven't seen for many years, actually. But I had a fantastic working relationship with him, which went beyond the graduation film, because then we worked together on my first professional jobs. Right. And what's it about, Caprice? Uh, It's about a young woman who's obsessed with a fashion magazine called Caprice, who dreams she goes inside the pages of it. And so we built um, sets uh, inside one of the um, stages of the National Film School, Yeah, a lot of the sets were just made out of paper because you're going through a magazine, but it was very stylized, very inspired by Hollywood musicals, Right. films like Charles Vidor's Cover Girl, right. Singing in the Rain, The Bandwagon. I mean, there's lots yeah. of influences in there.
5: Because the, um, the soundstage on The Souvenir has a feel of Singing in the Rain, doesn't it? It has a kind of like that when Gene Kelly's singing to Debbie Reynolds. It has that feel, doesn't it?
2: Well, that's exactly yeah. why I chose that. It um, okay, yeah, right. okay. was those big doors <laughs> that did it for yeah, me because exactly. it reminded me of that moment when they yeah. walk into inside the studio yeah. in Singing in the Rain. And I and I my my, my idea was to find doors as big as that. And, <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> I managed it.
5: And when you were a film student, what who were the films and what were the filmmakers that were that were inspiring you? Was it musicals at that point?
2: It was my taste. It, well, still is very eclectic. Um, but back then, it ranged from Radio One by Chris Pettit, yeah, um, which came out in about seventy nine yeah. eighty.
5: which is a weird. If people haven't seen it, it's a, it's a, a very rare thing. Which is a British Road movie, isn't it? There are very few British Road movies because the country's so small, I guess. So.
2: With, with a fantastic soundtrack, yeah, craftwork, yeah. and David Bowie, and shot in beautiful black and white. Yeah. Um, so I was very, very inspired by that. But then, as you say, there was the Hollywood, Hollywood musicals. There was Martin Scorsese's New York, New York, which yeah. was a big influence at the time. Yeah. That's another um, film
5: about creativity and relationships, and yeah.
2: exactly, and yeah. all that jazz. Bob Fosse, which yeah. again is about that, you know, relationships and 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 creativity, is interesting. A lot of the themes cross over with those films. I mean, I also, um, yeah, Coppola, One from the Heart, yeah. was sort of coming out at a similar time. So I was um, Woody Allen. I would always look forward to a Woody Allen film. Yeah. It, it, well, it was a wonderful time also living in London for rep cinema. So you could choose to sure. go and see Bertolucci's 1900 an all-night screening of that, yeah. or you could go and see...
5: The Everyman, The Scala, and all those places. Where the the, yeah. the Minimar, yeah.
2: the Paris Pullman... Yeah, it was yeah. a very, very rich time for cinema. So in your heart, would you love to make a big musical? I would. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't think I'm ready for it yet. Maybe. Okay. But I, I cup, would cup like to... I'm, I, I think the, this particularly shooting part two has uh, given me a renewed appetite for, for stylization and for creating a world inside a studio. Yeah. So whether it would be a musical... I don't know, but but some something, kind of stylized. something stylized yeah. within a studio.
5: Yeah, it's interesting that, that Tilda Swinton was in your your graduation film, and she plays Julie's mother. Was it important for you to have some a connection to the past like that?
2: Uh, yes, I mean I hadn't planned it like that. It's just that Tilda was right for that role. Yeah. I didn't think, oh, I must have her because she connects with the past. Yeah. Um, but the fact that she does connect in so many different ways, and her daughter Honor. Two um, makes complete sense now.
5: Yeah. And we should say, Anna's terrific in this film, isn't she? It's it's an amazing performance.
2: She's really, really remarkable young woman. She's never
5: acted before.
2: Never Mm -hmm. acted before. Yeah. No, no. And she was uh, very brave um, in agreeing to do this film because she didn't see my script. Um, She didn't know how the story was going to unfold. So she really, in each scene, discovering. Uh, discovering the story and discovering who who Julie is, so yeah. she was uh, she really threw herself into it. But there's a
5: fantastic scene with um, Richard Iwadi as a kind mean, of insufferable filmmaker. Do you know a
2: lot of people like that? Uh, I've <laughs> known a few in the past. <laughs> <laughs> it's not based on anyone in particular. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he, but uh, Richard really uh, took that role and is yeah is, yeah he's he's wonderful. He's also in part two, which is very exciting. Right, and
5: without spoiling anything, that scene has a key revelation, doesn't it? Yes, the, and yes. The, it's interesting the way that it's dropped. It doesn't, it's not kind of telegraphed, is it? It's, not, it's a very
2: no, uh, subtle thing. And Anna didn't know that was going to happen in the scene, that she yeah. was going to learn that in the scene. And so the first take, she's completely innocent of what's going to happen. And yeah. then obviously subsequent takes, she knows. But she's, uh, she was very good at um, repeating that sense of surprise. Yeah. After film school, you had
5: a period in television... That's right. How, uh, so, can you talk about that? So, it's like you went into British Episodic Television.
2: I did. Yeah. I mean, it was quite a long period of time. Actually, it was it was um, twelve or thirteen years, where I didn't forget about wanting to make films, but I did get into a particular groove of just going from one series to another series. Right. And there was pleasure in that. Sure. It was very nice having regular work, and I got to direct a lot, and I got to work with actors. But none of it, the the stories or the casting. Uh, or the structure even was of my own making or creating, so no. my, my my own personal expression was very um, suppressed during that time. But uh, definitely now looking back, I think well, it was yeah. a great way of learning learning a craft. Even if I do different things with the camera than I did that I did. Back then, I don't feel I have the same approach, obviously, but sure. I think it gave it gave me a confidence in working with a with a team and with a cast.
5: And, and some, so, some of the things we're talking about, you did some casualty, you did London's Burning, and a very famous episode of EastEnders with. Uh, June Brown on her own, isn't it? That, yes. Which is considered a classic of the show, isn't it? Like, like that episode.
2: That Yeah, that was uh, enjoyable to do, but it was the last television um, piece I did. Yeah. And during the making of that, um, which was, I mean, I remember enjoying shooting it, but I did start to think, gosh, I've really got to start practicing expressing my own ideas yeah. and my own stories.
5: But that's a tough thing to break out of, isn't it? When you're in that kind of position where you're making regular money and your m- regular work.
2: It's, it's its really hard. And I thought there was a certain point where I thought well, I wouldn't get out of it. I would just carry on doing that and I would never get to make a film. Yeah. So I had to make quite a concerted effort to pull myself out of it because, yeah, as you say, it's very nice earning money. It's very, you know, there's a yeah. nice routine there.
5: Yeah. How difficult is it to get the films made? As you say, you don't have a, s- a script as such. You don't people are relying on what you come up with. How How hard is that to get that together?
2: Well, now... I'm making my fifth film. It's a bit easier, but you can never rest on your laurels because we don't know where cinema is going at this point in time. So yeah. right now, I'm managing to get money for my films. I certainly have for the Souvenir Part One and Part Two, based on on uh, yes, my script, my um, story that I write. So yes, there's not it's not a conventional script. So I am managing to get finance for that unconventional kind of form, form of uh, script, but uh, it wasn't easy at the beginning. And when I made Unrelated, it was made, you know, we had to beg, borrow and steal the money to make that film and we shot it on a Sony Z1, which yeah. is not even a professional <laughs> That's a camera. Home camera. That's
5: a home camera, yeah. It's a home <laughs> yeah, yeah. camera.
2: So it was, um, although we ended up transferring it to 35mm, it went through a very okay. interesting uh, process. Yeah. But it was, yes, it was done for love rather than money, And then Archipelago was also a bit of a struggle to get money together for that. And then it became slightly easier with exhibition because the BBC and the BFI came on board. So I don't like to make out it was an easy journey because it certainly hasn't been. And also, you know, having gone through all those years in television wanting to make films, it's, it's, yeah, anyone who wants to make films, it's, yeah, they have to be prepared for quite a rocky road, I think. Yeah.
5: And final thing, where are we with Souvenir Part Two? Is it have you shot it? Is that right?
2: We've we, we just finished filming at the end of July, and I'm just starting the edit, and that will ha- continue for a number of months. It's quite, uh, it's got a lot of moving parts to it. Okay. It's uh, more ambitious than Part One. Um, there are more characters. It opens out quite a bit, and stylistically, there's yeah, there's some surprises in there.
5: Well, can't wait to see that, and thank you so much for your time. You thank you.
2: Not at all. Thank you.
0: Okay, so that was Joanna Hogg, and now it is time to have a chat about this week's big releases, and the souvenir in is at the forefront of those releases.
5: yeah, it yeah. is yep,, yeah. uh, so it's a kind of autobiographical story of her days as a student as a film student. She went to the National Film and television School, and she's trying to make movies, but at the same time she meets a guy and it becomes a very kind of interesting relationship. Mm.
4: So she's played by Honor Byrne Swinton, who's Tilda Swinton's daughter. And Tilda Swinton, in a piece of appalling typecasting, is cast as her mother. Yeah, um, Nepotism. Absolutely outrageous. Obviously, they're both impeccable. And Tom Burke is, um, is this slightly older, more sort of worldly, yeah. and rather sort of, um, I don't know, slightly controlling, slightly gaslighting, slightly just domineering yeah. boyfriend. Um, who it turns out has his own problems, uh, which I won't go into too much. But it's it's about that relationship. It's about finding her voice. It's about growing up. It's about uh, f- figuring out what she wants to do and what she's willing to do to get it to an extent and what she what she cares about um, and, and the things that are in her way as she attempts in her own way to do that. It's an interesting film because I think like a lot of Joanna Hogg, Stories. She doesn't go for the obvious moment. She'll no. go for the silence after the argument, not the argument mm. itself. So it's a film where you're you're doing a lot of the work. You're you're doing a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of figuring the story out, and that's always quite gratifying because you you just like that if you can do it as long as you're following. You, you it's really really a good technique, you know because. Yeah. You just get so drawn into the story itself, but yeah, fantastic. Just yeah, also very, it's,
5: it's a very good film on being a student.
4: Really good on being a student. On, I mean, on
5: late night parties and yeah. late night chats and uh. mm.
4: and and the sort of everyone's trying to express themselves, but not quite sure if they're expressing themselves right or if they're sounding cool when they do it or if they're yeah. sounding like an idiot. And they keep kind of course correcting and changing their minds. And yeah, it's really really good that way. I mean, she does have a flat in Knightsbridge, which most of us did not have as students. No. Um, but that's kind of touched on as well. Like she's quite privileged, and and in the world where she operates, that's sort of undermining her credibility almost, and undermining her authenticity. And mm, so that's yeah. another thing that she's trying she's to kind of a figure film out. About Sunderland, didn't she? Yeah. she to
5: make a film about a kid in Sunderland,
4: a working class yeah. kid in Sunderland, and she's there in this flat in Knightsbridge, you know. So it's it's a it's just wonderful. Yeah. It's really fantastic. The, the film. Uh, takes its title from the the Fragonard painting at the Wallace collection which weirdly I just went to see on Saturday. Oh, great. Uh, that's Ooh. nice. Yeah. Um, oh. but yeah, it's also just uh, so as as autobiographical films go, I think this is really near the
5: tip top. Yeah. And we we touched on this in the interview but um Richard Waddy turns up as a as a mm. film bore and he's terrific value for his one scene. So yeah, that's, he that's really
0: great. Is. Great stuff and she's uh filming or as we discussed as you discussed in the interview she has just finished filming on the Souvenir Part 2. Mm. Which will be out next year. Which so I'm
4: very intrigued to see.
0: Does this leave in a cliffhanger? Is one of them frozen in carbonite? Well, what happens? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to find yeah. Find out. Yeah. Thanos yeah. dusts half of the cast. Yeah. Yeah.
4: and the rest have to come back and fight him next but year. But
5: there, there is a long tradition in art house cinema of filmmakers returning to characters, so it's not mm. as weird as it seems. You think of mm. Antoine Doinel and World of Apu. There's lots of films mm. that deal with a series of films. Yeah, so. it's not it, art house franchises. Sounds a bit weird, but it's kind of it has a precedent.
0: So, how many stars do we give this? Uh, four. We gave this four stars. Four mm. stars then for the souvenir. And next up is Bait. Bait. In for here, tell us yes. about Bait.
5: Bait is Empire's fourth five star film of the year.
0: Is it a it Downton is. Abbey spin off film about Mr.
3: Bates?
5: No, it's not. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I, I, that is disappointing. But I'm going to test you see if you're paying attention. What are the three other five star films Empire's done this year?
4: Avengers Endgame.
5: One. Hell No Horror. Oh, we've
4: only given four, three, yeah. five. Really? Three. Of course, of well, me. Yeah. it's me. Yeah. But but also, like the souvenir should have been a five star film. in My, that's, but that's, whatever.
5: Yeah. yeah. I, I, Murder I, I, mystery. <laughs> Murder mystery.
0: Yeah. Yep. I can't say the one I'm thinking of because the embargo hasn't lifted.
5: Was well, that one? But that's not that one. That doesn't include. We're not counting that. that. Not counting counting that. that. Okay.
0: <laughs> uh, two more that we've previously yeah. given five stars to.
5: Can we ask producer Jane? She might know. Midsummer. Midsummer's five stars.
0: Midsummer was five stars. Strong. Nick Semnian. Oh, I know. I know two more that are getting five stars.
4: Not are getting, have got.
0: Have got, but yeah. they haven't been released yet. Yeah. So the
5: the, the so ones that have been released are Endgame, yeah. Midsummer, yeah. and one more. I mean, it's Booksmart. Booksmart. Book yeah. Smart. Oh, Yay.
0: of course it was Booksmart. Yes.
5: yes. We're doing well. Yes. So Bait is joining that kind of um, elite group. Mr. Exactly. Bates, yeah. So Bait is a film by a director called Mark Jenkins, made a lot of shorts. And, um, it's set in a Cornish village and it's, a, it's kind of a class war between a fisherman and the kind of posh family, middle class family who move in down there. Still sounds like Downton Abbey. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's very funny, it's very timely, and it's, it's, um, it's very textured. But the interesting thing about it is the way it was made, which was it's, um, it's kind of shot on 16mm on a camera called a Bolex, which you wind up. And can only run for two minutes at a time. You're kidding, right? So you can only run in two two minute bursts. Uh, there's no sync sound, so all the sound for the film was recorded afterwards. Whoa. And the director hand processed the film himself, so it kind of gets um. It has a very kind of tactile, textured, grainy quality.
3: What was the what was the the, the motivation behind that decision?
5: It's, it's the way it works. I mean, he, just, he just
3: likes the quite like the, yeah, the he texture. The, he of he the likes the ha- the handmade yeah, okay. quality
5: of the film, and mm. it's, it's it's stunning to look at. I mean, I, I should warn you: it is quite because of those processes. It's quite a rickety film. I'm sure. So yeah. don't go in expecting slick and Avengers Endgame. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, but on a, on a sort of f- formal level and on a content level, it's terrific. It's so good. Oh, amazing! And um, you know, it's a film. As I say, it's a film about class division, so it feels very timely. But also, it feels a film like it has been around forever. Mm. Mm. So um, if you're adventurous and you're up for it, I'd give Bait a go. It's very good. Brilliant.
0: Five stars. Yeah. Five bloody stars, then, for Bait. Did you write the review?
5: No. Uh, Sophie marks Calper wrote the review. It's online now, and you'll get a much greater sense of it from Sophie. Terrific review. Yep.
0: Yeah. Okay. Check that out on the Empire website, empireonline.com. So, that leaves just then A Million Little Pieces, million which little, is yes. the, the, the team-up between the Taylor Johnsons.
5: Yes, this is uh, directed it's, by... It, the
3: plural is Taylor's Johnson. Sorry.
5: <laughs> directed by Sam Taylor-Johnson and starring Aaron Taylor-Johnson, and I think adapted screenplay by both of them together. This is based on the book by, I want to say, James Frey. Mm-hmm. Fry? Um, and this was his kind of biography of his time in rehab
4: except it wasn't right it was no. exposed as a falsehood
5: this is absolutely exposed as a falsehood and this is the thing the film makes barely a reference to the fact that it was all lies oh. interesting it starts really strongly with kind of uh, Taylor Johnson going through this breakdown yeah. and then it becomes a very standard rehab movie where he kind of um, he befriends Billy Bob Thornton who gives him life advice he meets a young woman Odessa Young in there Um but it never addresses the fact that this was all made up. It just feels like a It's a bit thing. of a
3: glaring omission, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. It is. Not even at the end where they say these were not based on real events.
5: Well no, there's not there's not this there's not like the postscript of the no. there's not that. There's none of that. No. Fake news. It is. I should know. Exactly. <laughs> so um uh Alex God reviewed it for us and gave it two, and I think that's fair.
0: Two stars. Wow. Well, yeah. Two bloody stars. The harsh?
4: Well, nah, So it goes
0: well, sometimes. There you go. It is what it is. Uh that's it for this week's uh Empire Podcast featuring Ian Freer on the drums and reviews, (laughs) as (laughs) well. Featuring Helen Lahara on the what do you call that? Weird the theremin. Yeah,
4: theremin. I mean, it's quite sci-fi, so I could do worse.
0: Yeah, he would love it. Jimbo, what would what would your instrument of choice be? Uh, The didgeridoo.
4: (laughs) (laughs) This is a terrible. I can actually
3: play the didgeridoo. This This is is a a terrible. terrible I own a didgeridoo and I can play it. Why? Well, I bought it in Australia. You know, as you do.
0: Did they let you into the country with any problems? They did. Yes, yes, they did. Okay. Well, one one nil for Australia. Yeah. Well done there. Love the Aussies. Well done. Yes, indeed. Uh, and that is it for this week's Empire Podcast. Indeed. Join us next week for more film-related fun, where we'll be joined by no idea.
4: <laughs> cool.
0: Looking forward to hearing from him slash her. It's gone well. I think it'll be someone from the Downton Abbey movie. Yes.
3: Come on! I couldn't tell
0: you who. The big film review will be It Chapter 2. It Chapter 2. Yes, look out for that as well. And in fact, we will have a spoiler special for It Chapter 2 coming up uh, around about Monday the 10th of September as well. Uh, But next week's show is going to be the last conventional in-studio show for a while because then we'll be going on tour. We'll be doing a whole bunch of live shows. And uh, yeah, so... and we'll is we going to be merch on this Can I
5: get a t-shirt? How oh, yeah. A t-shirt I should have mentioned that. <laughs> I should have
0: mentioned that. Yes, we will. If you are coming to these live shows and you've long been gripped by a desire <laughs> to own Empire Podcast merchandise, yeah. Yeah. we will be there. The, 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 whichever team is going to do each show will be there beforehand. And we do have merch. We do have merch. Wow. I want
5: a t-shirt that says, as your lawyer. We, we, sadly, like. we don't
0: have t-shirts like that this time. But we do have t-shirts that will say bangly bang on them. We will have uh, mugs. We will have badges. We will have tote bags. Very popular these days. Very popular these days. And we will have as well, I think we're going to have posters. So the, sort of the tour poster thing. So we will be there. We have
5: Empire Podcast condoms.
4: No. We won't. Only if Joe no. Schumacher yeah, comes on us again. guest. Yeah. Joe
0: Schumacher <laughs> made a place a big order today, so we're we're already sold yeah. out. Thirty thousand Empire branded condoms. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine condoms with my face on them?
5: No,
4: oh, no be
0: no, I can't be the ultimate the ultimate deterrent, wouldn't it? Oh God, I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that is birth crying. control on a whole other level. <laughs> you know, condoms with yeah. James. We bangly bang written down the side yeah. of it. <laughs> <laughs> or in my case, just get up to the bang, wouldn't you? Oh, God. I was a joke about how small my penis is, no. Yes,
3: yes, we got it. Yes. Thank you.
0: <laughs> sorry, everyone. So sorry. Anyway, <laughs> we've got merch. So come along and buy it from us. But no condoms. Bring your own. <laughs> bring your own. <laughs> if you're Joshi I can bring loads. We will sign them.
4: <laughs> no, no, don't what? say that. What? <laughs> <laughs> They're really hard to sign. Come on. <laughs>
0: how do you know that? You need a permanent marker. <laughs> <laughs> what are you not telling us, Helen O'Hara? Unbelievable. This has been quite a bawdy podcast. It has been. Yeah. It started, started strong and it's finishing stronger. All right, so that is it. Until we meet again, until then, until a auspicious occasion, it is goodbye from Ian Freer. Bye. Are you going to come back again, Ian? Thank Probably you. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> from, why would you come back after this or
5: when you've done your tour you know yeah, yeah. I'll, do, I'll do the reunion tour you're more than you welcome to come to any other live shows yeah. <laughs> so,
0: I'm sure Helen or James will be more than happy to step down uh, so, <laughs> <The> <laughs> it's goodbye worse. from it's goodbye from Helen O'Hara uh, it's goodbye from James Dyer goodbye please buy my travel journal Tales from the Borderlands on sale now And it's goodbye for me. I'm off to use a calculator to work out the number of sexual partners I've had in my life. So far, I have hello and boobs. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Bye.